The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Buenos dias, damas y caballeros. Welcome to another edition of Shag and Flies with Ben and Zach. It's your co-host, Zach Hayes, here with an absolute bombshell of a conversation with our colleague, Michael Ahedo, whose work you can find here at Pitcher List and also over at Lookout Landing and his very active Twitter page. It is actually a three-hour-long conversation. We almost split it into two separate episodes, but, you know, we decided to let it ride all the way out because that's what we do here. I feel pretty confident that this is probably the first time you'll hear a baseball podcast talk about the Tao Te Ching, schizophrenia, and Kid Cudi's Speedin' Bullet to Heaven all within the same hour with or 90 minutes, I don't know what it was, and with some stops along the way, but that's what we're here to do. Anyhow, Michael was an absolutely fantastic guest, so I'm really looking forward to bringing this conversation to you. I know Ben is too. We spent the first hour talking about pretty much nothing but mental health and Michael's work in the mental health field, and that was really incredible, but we went so many different places and directions on this episode. I left some notes uh, for the first time for y'all with timestamps and all that stuff, so if you want to skip around, uh, check out some of the greatest hits, or just put the whole thing on and let it ride, but either way, here is... Episode 4 of Shaggin' Flies with the truly inimitable Michael Ahedo. Making up stories, whatever. So I think there's several stories, but essentially the, the story is like our last name isn't actually Ajeto or Ahedo. Um, it's like Aniceto. And something along the lines of like some of our ancestors during the war were in the Philippines and they were waiting to like be called to, to, you know, go over to the U S and there were only so many spots being taken and they called out like a Jetto and no one like got up and like went to go take that place. And my two ancestors, whoever they are, they just kind of looked at each other and they're like, well, I'm not not gonna do this. So they just got up and they're like, "That's our last name now," because we need to go to the U.S. Um, and so that's apparently how our name, you know, got started. Whatever. Huh. Um, but on the way over, because you know, um, 
my dad always jokes that the Filipino dream is to leave the country. <laughs> um, and so <laughs> it's all about, you know, expediting the acculturation process and kind of um, just being American, like being not being Filipino, like being white. So um, my name got anglicized on the way over, um, which would be a Jetto. And so I pronounced it like that for, I think, about 26 years. And then sometime around my birthday, I feel like um, I started taking a Tagalog class and there's no, like the A sound is ah, there's no J sound. Mm. Um, and so the correct way is like ahedo. Okay. Yeah. Ahedo. Okay. Yeah. I want to remember this because yeah. it is it has occurred more than once in which I have said your last name out loud. I'm not I'm trying to think of other times. It has definitely happened. Uh, and I've every single time I've been like, I'm gonna say this wrong. I know I'm gonna butcher it. I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna screw it up. So that's good. Ahedo. Ahedo. And also mm-hmm. while we're on it, Michael or Mikey, because you, yeah. you seem to go by both. Yeah. Yeah. Um I've just always been called Mikey by my family and some of my friends. Um, just certain types of people call me certain things. So like my superiors, like my supervisors, they all call me Mike. Um, oh, like at work. Interesting. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> in settings like sports, you know, like, like pitcher list, you know, people call me a head because it's just like, I don't know. You often call people by their last names. You know, I have found, I, I have found that. Especially a pitcher list because, and, and I don't mind it, but I've always been called Palmer. Yeah. And that's something I've gotten a lot just my entire life because I don't know. I guess Palmer is also kind of a first name. It just, it was always a thing. And yeah. I'm fine with it. Uh, and at pitcher list, especially because there's like eight Bens. So, <laughs> and like two Ben P's, I think. So like, it's, it's fine. Mm hmm. But I have always tried to go out of my way with the pitcherless people to call people by their first names because I know everybody gets called by the last names. And I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I kind of like being called by my first name. Like I don't mind being called by (laughs) my last name. I'm not going to get upset about it. Yeah. But but yeah, so that's why I always try to be like, you know, you are not a head O. You are. Mikey or Michael or whatever you would prefer to be called. I guess I've never asked, which I probably should have at some yeah. point. I've always thought that convention is weird. I've had that thought before too, of like, just, it seems like kind of an instinctual thing when you meet someone, whether you refer to them by first name or last name, I'm sure it's socialized into you somehow just by who you're hanging around with. And right. But that, as someone who's like rarely, I would say that I have been known by Zach by like pretty, definitely a minority of the people in my life i've gone by like in high school a lot of people knew me as chuck uh really because of there was a basketball player Whoa, named what? chuck hayes and we were playing oh. basketball in gym class so like you know free association so then and it stuck and people just called me chuck for like three years in high school i i went to college within a few weeks i was labeled as hazard or has because because it kind of sounds like my last name and I don't even remember the origin. So that's it's a, always that's a stretch. Like, <laughs> but then some people will say like, we'll say like Zach, like you don't look like a Zach at all. Like you don't feel like a Zach to me. And I'm like, what is that? What mean? does a Zach look like? Yeah. Like, what is, yeah. And so uh, yeah. Such, 
constitutive portions of our identities and yet they're so nebulous I don't yeah know. so i guess to to answer the question um i always tell it's weird i don't like super have a preference it's mostly what sounds good like coming out of your mouth like what doesn't sound bad um <laughs> what sounds natural like if if i'm trying to think of a person um I don't know. Some people call me Mikey and I'm like, that sounds super weird. Don't do that. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I've never introduced myself as Mikey. I don't think ever, unless like for some reason I know that someone knows me as that because that's my, I think that's how I put my display name on all social media. Right. Um, which is why that's why I've always kind of done that yeah because that's so, the name on social media so i'm like oh okay i mm -hmm. assume that is how he wants to go by so most people do kind of call me mikey um i also don't introduce myself as mike but it's just like the easy one um so i guess the default is like michael but i i think if it feels better saying something else and say something else um the only thing that i i kind of think is sometimes Mikey feels really like infantilizing, you know? Sure. No, I get that. I get that. Um, it's like, yeah, it's like a lot of those names that end in Y, you know, the yeah. Billies of the world and Jimmy's and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't be any good if your name's Billy or Jimmy. <laughs> Dude, I knew a guy, I had a, a boss um, when I worked at a local TV station in Baltimore. He was the director of the sales department and his name was Billy. And he was the most intimidating, uh, wow. angry alpha male you have ever seen. He would regularly like yell and curse at all of us and was just like a walking, talking, hostile work environment. And like <laughs> just was super intimidating. And his name was Billy. I just, I don't know. <laughs> it didn't that's, uh, for me. that's some overcompensation. Things. Yeah, yeah. That's some overcompensation <laughs> for being named Billy, I think. So I, then dude, I know where do like IEs fall in though? Like Willie, Willie with an IE. Mm. I feel like that's more, that's better. Like, there's something like diminutive. Yes. I think about the why yeah. sometimes in some context, like Timmy, well, I was thinking like, I, don't, I think Timmy, it's but it's like Tim. Yeah. But some people yeah. still call him Timmy. Though. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think it's because that's just kind of what you do with children. A lot of times is it just right. like when you see a little kid or a baby, Whatever their name is, you add a Y to the end, unless I don't know, unless it, except in some instances like Harry, like there's you know there are people named Harry who are just their their names Harry, like that's just yeah that's not like a yeah. kitty name, but yeah. Other than that, I'm gonna call up one of my buddies but, who does like linguistics and just get us an answer here. <laughs> well, so anyways, speaking of you, Michael, Mikey, yes. Which <laughs> I'm gonna I'm just gonna dance between the two. I think I, I think you just one. I think you just have to, yeah you just have to keep like peppering them in like different I, ones. I'm gonna I, I, I'm I, never gonna pick a lane. I'm just <laughs> I'm gonna ride that fence. I'm I'm too gullible. Like based on what's on Twitter, we just had a whole thing last week with Chris Towers where I thought for like the first two months that I followed him that his name was actually like Mark Folkloretta or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. <laughs> so so, yeah. so you've been you've been Michael Ahedo on Twitter for a while. So that mm -hmm. is that is how I've always like said it in my head. So um, yeah, that's, that's what I will go with putting it on the record now. I think so, that's what, uh, no, I think no that's what most people do. Yeah. I appreciate that. Zachy. Um, anyway, 
<laughs> Dude, no, no lie. I have a cousin who's who's born Zach, and up until literally, like up until middle school, maybe my aunt and uncle called him Zachy. Oh no! Which I, know, I mean, I know, like my cat's name is Benny. Like it's not Ben. It's not Benjamin. His name is yeah. Benny. You know, it's obviously different. It's a cat, but but there's I've like real Benny. Like, I've gotten Benny before. Yeah, like Benny the Jet Rodriguez is like a real. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that's a, so. A Benny person. is Benny is not one that I feel like is infantilizing. Like I don't know why. Yeah, but Benny not. doesn't feel like a little kid. I I never I never really went by Benny, and I never really went by anything but Ben. I yeah. never go by Benjamin. Anyone who goes by Benjamin's a sociopath. Nar- yeah, <laughs> that, that's like a first name. You're in trouble, young man. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god, it's just it's just so long in Hebrew, right? and Hebrew. Just, just it's Ben. It's Ben. Just no one. I've never met a Benjamin who's just like, "Hi, my name's Benjamin." You know, Benjamin is Hebrew for "son of the right hand," uh, <laughs> and I was almost a Caleb. Which uh, later, when I found out that Caleb is Hebrew for dog, I was kind of thankful that I wasn't Caleb. <laughs> it's not eggplant, so that's true. It's not. It's not eggplant. <laughs> Could be so. Just... Anyways, moving forward, twenty Michael. minutes in. <laughs> yeah, twenty minutes. Who cares? Whatever. No one listens to this. You've seen the analytics. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's cute that your parents listen. I. That's that's that is. Yeah, that's they, they listen to the first not. one. They listen to the first one. I can't tell you any any beyond that. I don't know how they, how my, far they're my parents. One hundred percent do not. I don't think my parents have ever read a word that I've written, despite me sending it to them. Uh, <laughs> I think they're still. My folks are still in the. Oh, like this is cute. Like you know. Yeah. It, it's not gonna. It hasn't annoyed them yet. I'll put it that way. <laughs> Man, yeah, I, I could. That's 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 a that's a therapy podcast for another time. Uh, but, but this one is all about you, Mikey, and thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. It's wonderful to have you. And um, we usually start these podcasts kind of talking a bit about our guests. And I will say I don't know a whole whole lot about you. Um, pre-picture list mm-hmm. where you're from all of that stuff and uh unlike some of our previous guests there's not much out there uh about you on google so i'm going to be <laughs> relying on you <laughs> yeah pro- yeah it probably is i kind of feel bad for <laughs> dude i feel i feel real bad for uh some of the things that well he's done this voluntarily but like we had jake seeley on and like that man has delved into his personal life on many, many podcasts. Mm-hmm. And it's just like out there. <laughs> just like <laughs> I, I won't say anything, but his the podcast he did with uh, D'Angelo Williams is revealing and and fun to listen to. Um, yeah. But anyways, yeah, I <laughs> it's it's something <laughs> all right. Um, I want to get but, down and dirty with your favorite 2009 <laughs> NFL running back. All right. Dude, I was such a huge D'Angelo Williams fan. He he was like in fantasy. He was one of those guys I could never quit. Like Smash I was just, and dash. I, just, I oh, always man. loved him. Yeah, he was always too. one of my favorites. Um, in I've I've had a few of those in baseball. Like uh, I Tim Lincecum burned me so much later in his career because I couldn't quit him. Like yeah. every year, I was just like Tim Lincecum's gonna do it, man. He's gonna turn it around. It? He, yeah, he never okay, did. So- Mikey, where Michael are you from? That's what I want to know. That's what I want to know. Where are you from originally? Uh, I'm so I was born in Burien, or well, no, I was born in Seattle, 
and I lived in Burien for like a couple years, which is essentially Seattle. Um, lived in Auburn, Washington for 18 years. It sucks. It's like, I, I don't, it's just like everyone just, all of the people that lived in my, like in that suburb, in that neighborhood, they all like don't have anything to do. They're all just like desperate housewives. Um, like, like legitimately just super catty. All the houses are like super cookie cutter. Um, like people just thrive off of like gossip. So I legitimately feel like it's desperate housewives without like the murder and like a few less affairs. Um, just not, I mean, it's like a safe place to grow up. I'm, I guess, privileged to have grown up there, but it's, it's definitely a bubble. Um, and I've super distanced myself from, from living there. Um, so I, I left for school. I went to Western Washington University, which is in Bellingham, Washington, which is essentially Canada, like 30 minutes from Canada and about 90 minutes north of Seattle. I uh, lived there until January of this year and also really happy to be out of there, too, because it's a different bubble. It's like 80% white and like everyone wears REI like like everyone is one of those like brewery like microbrewery bros who wears like those like five panel hats and like cargo pants and just like it looks like they work at REI. Um, There's a PNW stereotype yes. that exists for somewhat of a reason, and everyone fits it there because it, it's super outdoorsy. The the coffee and and microbrew scene is super strong. Um, so yeah, I'm like. I don't know. I'm fortunate in some ways to have lived there, but I, I think living there for as long as I did, I feel like I've done myself a disservice in, in many other ways because I care a lot about, you know, ha like diversity, um, you know, hearing other people's perspective, per perspectives, like meeting a ton of different types of people. And it's just not a thing there. It's very, it's literally vanilla. Um, so, uh, so now I'm in Seattle and I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Um, I almost moved to New York, but, um, yeah, so that's like the TLDR. So you've been, you've been all over the, the Pacific Northwest. It sounds like a little bit. Um, I will, I will like the Western Washington, uh, you know, loop. Yeah. I, I will tell you that, uh, uh, as an East Coaster, um, I am entirely ignorant of the existence of the uh, Pacific Northwest and the stereotypes about the people there and all of that. So, <laughs> it's yeah, good to you're, hear you're about not that. missing out on like, yeah, you're not missing out on too much. It's um, it's man, it's a super livable place, but it's such a bubble. Like, I almost feel bad living here because it's just like you're so detached from what most people in the u.s are dealing with i suppose i get that i get that so would you say then that like portlandia is accurate because <laughs> that's what it yeah. sounds like it's it's like that actually portlandia is like a perfect example of what bellingham is except like a little less weird <laughs> right right but it's you know it's hard to that get makes sense weird. yeah <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, suburbia is kind of like suburbia. 
yeah at the end of the day but so i have never been to the sure. pacific northwest i've never been to seattle i have um a couple friends who just moved to the area recently though so it is very high on my like post pandemic visit list so in spite mm -hmm. of in spite of all you what you just said like i'm from chicago and i'm in chicago and i can talk for days and days and days about everything that i hate about this place and our government and all this stuff but at the same time <laughs> i'll be like yeah this is the greatest place in the world come visit me so yeah. uh so Tell me what are what are some of the good parts of uh, of being up there in that region? I what should I what should I go do? Point out. I don't think there are like in the spring and summer. There are not that many places that are more beautiful than a nice day, and specifically like Bellingham and Seattle are like the two prettiest places in Washington. Anything you want to do outdoors, it will be thirty minutes away from where you are. Um, so there's like, there's tons of things to do outside, uh, post pandemic or, you know, really if you're a jerk during the pandemic, um, a lot of, a lot of good beer, a lot of good microbreweries and, um, coffee shops. Like it's, you know, everyone's just about that, like Instagram life. Um, so always, always a place to do that. The people are pretty hmm i was gonna say nice things about about um about pacific northwesters but have you heard have you guys heard of the seattle freeze it's a phenomenon not, no. it's a phenomenon where people will move to seattle and just find it so difficult to meet people and, and find friends and they find people really standoffish and it's because people are so, I don't know like what the reason is. Like, I don't know the directionality, but people are just kind of standoffish, very passive aggressive. Um, like you don't strike up a random conversation with someone. You don't really acknowledge someone when you're walking hmm. down like the sidewalk. Um, but so I, I think that people are, are kind of, depending on the person that you come across, people are kind of snobby um, and like pretentious, especially as Seattle gets gentrified more and more. But aside from just that feeling of being in a bubble and just like whatever, it's um, it's like the most livable place in in the U.S., I feel like. Word, word. I've heard it's beautiful. I've always, I've never, yeah. I've never been out there, and I've the furthest west I've ever been, South Dakota. Um, but I, I've always wanted to go out there. I have a friend who went to Portland in Oregon, and absolutely loved it. And I can only yeah. imagine. And I have another friend who went to Seattle and loved it. So I've heard nothing but good things. I need, I need to go one day. I really do. If y'all are, if y'all are in there, y'all show you around. It's like, I mean, Pike Place is like a pretty, like, legitimately cool place it's really busy um but there you know there are enough areas within it that you can kind of escape people at times food's really good up here it's very like pretty much anything you want you can kind of get it here so i don't know just like the if you're like aziz ansari and master of none if you're like a foodie and just like a you know that kind of thing Foodie's the worst term ever, but you know, I, I, I know <laughs> I what I'm you. describing. I get, I get, you, I get um, it. It's like the scene, you know, for everyone. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I get that. That's that sounds awesome. I would love to. I'd love to go. So, you're from around the Pacific Northwest. Um, growing up, it seems like you know, for a lot of your adult life, um, kind of getting into the mental health field has been your track for a while. It's worth noting to uh, our listeners that uh, you are our first guest that is not a full-time uh, fantasy sports writer or slash sports writer, that you do have mm-hmm. a day job, and that is as a uh, mental health counselor, right? For I'm, I'm probably not getting the exact title correctly. Um, but. So first of all, I'm honored. I had no idea. Uh, but so my day job is some people call it like a behavior therapist or behavioral therapist. It's a certified behavior technician. Um, It's essentially just like my role is a supervisor creates a behavior plan. Essentially just tells me what to do and I'm the one implementing it. And so I work with kids with developmental disabilities. um, And in many ways, I really love it. In other ways, it's kind of draining. It, It is... I don't even make $20 an hour and I have a bachelor's and I'm working on my master's. Um, so there's, there's that. And then I'm also in a mental health counseling, a clinical mental health counseling program. So within probably a little over a year, maybe a year and a half, I will be a licensed mental health counselor. Um, so I'm getting okay. pretty close there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so then um, the mental health, health field it it seems to me like that's kind of been a track for you for a while you uh majored in psychology in college you're working on your Mm -hmm. master's in uh in clinical mental health counseling so what is it that kind of drew you to working in the mental health field it's kind of weird it's like I've been asked that before and I'm almost just like, what, what was my aha moment? Like my sister, my sister was a psych major and she told me like, take, take these, she would just tell me about, you know, the like classic studies or like a case study or whatever. And would just, she just made it sound really interesting. And so I went um, and took a class my junior year in high school, loved it, took, an AP class in senior, my senior year. And then I kind of just decided sometime in an early, early college that I really loved psychology and it was my first class ever psych 101, eight 30 on Monday. Um, and my professor, that's a rough awesome. class. Yeah. Just man. <laughs> sorry to interrupt, but eight 30 on a Monday, but it was Yikes. so I, I don't know if I missed a class. It was so worth it. Might have missed one. Um, but my my professor was um he's like his specialty is neuroscience. And so once I took that, I was like, man, I I love this. Um and so I kind of kicked around being a teacher and or or yeah, like a high school teacher and going into psychology. And I just decided on psychology and and it might have been a poor choice because uh, with a psych major, like you don't make any money. Like you need to go to grad school if you're a psych major. Um, 
and that's so true of a lot of undergraduate fields these true days. that's <laughs> true sure I mean, it's it's yeah. it's super true with psychology though like i've yeah. known a few psych yeah. majors who just basically just went straight for bachelor's yeah. master's uh doctorate all like, like yeah. right in a row because that's just what I they can needed. imagine the kind of the kind of work you want to go into as a psych major is probably yeah. Yeah. is almost always stuff that requires so, further yeah i think if sense. you unless you have a trade i mean what kind of people say nowadays is if you know like now a bachelor's is kind of like a high school degree in like the 60s and i kind of tend to tend to agree um but i just i was fascinated with just psychology the way that we behave and act and whatever and yeah it's it's a soft science but like i just i can't imagine myself doing anything else like I think it's kind of um, it's kind of snobby, but like I, if you follow me on Twitter, like you know, I'm a kind of particular person, and I have opinions, uh, pretty strong opinions about things, and so like I just scoff at the idea of like being a business major or sorry if either of you are or just like marketing or nope nope you're looking at a journalism guy and yeah i don't know what (laughs) zach is honestly that was a history history and literature (laughs) and i actually yeah yeah, yeah. i did think about doing um uh oh man some kind of like literature um degree but i was like i don't know like what do you do with that do you teach and so i was just like i don't know what i'm gonna do with this but i'm gonna do something with it because i'm just I love it. I love it. Um, and so later on, it ke- became pretty clear that I really like working with people. Um, and I don't know if like my own experiences with like, you know, mental health issues kind of drove me this way. And I'm sure it did, but it never did really consciously until like the end. Um, and so my junior year, I was like, I I like signed up. I was I was a psych major or a, a pre major, whatever you call it. And the at that point, it was it was either I'm doing research methods, so like doing psychology research, or I'm going to be a counselor. Um, decided on research methods because I was scared of the. I was basically scared of the supervision. And then later on, because I, I I was in a lab, I. I like took the research part really seriously. And then I had a meeting with one of my research advisors and she was like, yeah, you shouldn't do that. Like she was going to help me with a research project, which is actually really cool. Um, Just as like a side note, it was, I was basically going to physiologically arouse people and um, I was going to take their baseline, like political orientation, basically physiologically arouse them and then see if they shifted to conservatism, which is bared out in the research. Super cool. Um, but she essentially said like, uh, all of your... hold yeah. on, hold on. I'm going to need yeah, to yeah, dive into that a you... little <laughs> bit more. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, okay. don't, don't, I could not be, I just want you to know we don't have time limits on this podcast. We're not going to run over <laughs> that. I could not be more interested in what you just said. No detail is too much. What are you talking about? <laughs> very, very Nick Pollock voice. We're going to go long on this podcast. Um, <laughs> it's not possible to go long because there's no limit. <laughs> you so can do three hours. I don't care. 
this is this is kind of it's been hit at like several angles and um one of which is that if you look at just a brain of someone who is liberal or conservative their brains are lit up differently and again directionality like doesn't like do people become conservative because this or you know like is it is it something that's somewhat innate or is it something that's you know um you become more aroused basically if you're a conservative so basically um a conservative compared to a liberal their amygdala will be more activated which is the fear center of your brain um it's like like in ptsd that's what's going to be lit up and i think there are other areas of of brains that are just more active and people who are conservative but essentially it's a little bit of it's evidence that like conservatives are just like more scared it's like of what i don't know so my my follow-up question to that would be and i i don't know if this is like if you can answer this or if it's one of the research whatever so my is that something that would be you would think of as like an inherent trait to the brain or is it something that's potential that is more developed because i'm thinking of like the last 30 years of conservative tilted media has been nothing but fear-based it's been you know if it bleeds right. it leads I've, and i think that's why it works so my kind of thinking is it really makes sense that um that a lot of it is fear-based because like if you think about it and uh, you know, I don't want to offend anyone, but like a lot of conservatives are like scared of immigrants or scared of, you know, scared of a lot of different things. And so I think I think it's something where maybe there's there's kind of some innate trait, but mostly it's conditioned into them. Um, and maybe you could argue that the the research itself is flawed, but it's been looked at from several lenses like. Um, in the study that I was going to run, it was more of a replication. And what they did is essentially, um, they had people watch, um, it's a, it was a design where I think they, they took their baseline data and then later, like probably two weeks later, they had them watch, um, the same video and it's just of like a political speech and they, they showed them like subliminal images that they aren't conscious of, but make them physiologically aroused. And, and the, obviously they test like, is it statistically significant? Is it actually arousing them? It did. Um, and they showed that a, it arouses them and B it actually does. They do shift towards conservatism. Um, and so I, I'm losing my train of thought. This is like the first time I've thought about this in a while. <laughs> um, well, I guess I guess the question would things, be what's what's the connection? Because I do like I I like what you're what you're saying about like mm -hmm. it being kind of conditioned. These kinds of views. I I heard somebody say once. I don't remember who it was, but they were talking about you know the the uh, <clears throat> the Duck Dynasty guy. And you know he's you oh, know God. he says some like you know he says some like crazy horribly offensive stuff, and uh, this person who was talking was like, yeah, but you have to understand, like this guy where he grew up and all, he's just what he's doing. He thinks he's being a good boy, like he's being yeah. a, he's being a good boy. That's what he was taught. Right. This is like this is conditioned into him. 
So, you know, so I, it's, it's interesting to, to hear you talk about that being conditioned because I think it really can be conditioned mm -hmm. into uh, especially where they grew up. I mean, you know, if that's beaten into your head from birth, I mean, shoot, I grew up in a hyper conservative, uh, mm -hmm. household. I spent most of my teenage years being, you know, being like, well, George W. Bush was a bit misunderstood <laughs> and, and, uh, and watching the O'Reilly factor every night. So when you do that as a kid, like, of course, you, it's super easy to slip right into that as just right. your worldview, if that's a bubble you grew up in. But to your study, I guess the question would be, what's what's the connection? Like, did they find a causational, that's not a word, relationship, a causal relationship? Causative? Yeah, there you go. Positive, even better relationship yeah. between the physiological arousal and uh, conser shifting conservative. Yeah, um, I mean, like the study found that when they physiologically aroused people, that they like the amount that they shifted conservative was statistically significant, and obviously they control for different factors. Huh. Sure, um, it's been a while since I, I read the study, but I actually ran like a pilot sort of like I, I did it for a class and had like real participants and like had to go through the, the IRB. And I obviously had a poorly designed um, study because we were looking at does the valence of the stimuli matter? So does the, does it matter if it's positive or negative? Um, and so we played this super loud boom that was super scary. And we either told them it was a firework a gunshot or we didn't play them a sound and we didn't get a very bit of big effect size and we missed the p-value of like five percent but mm. we were like pretty close um <clears throat> i think if if it was better designed we actually might have had statistical significance but um i think it makes a lot of sense and you know if i would have got deeper into it i might be in a, a research methods program for looking at some sort of like political psychology, which I'm glad I'm not. I don't think, I don't know how much it actually helps people. Whereas like being a mental health counselor, it's like, how could you not help people? You're, you're you know? in the world. Right. I think right. that's, yeah, I will. First of all, I love with all of our guests, but this especially just love hearing people talk about things that they're like clearly passionate about. Um, yeah. For so, sure. I'm loving this whole thing. So, but you are not doing research. You are doing counseling. So tell, tell us just a little more about like why you ended up on that side of things, unless you, you know, maybe you just told us the answer, but uh, if there's anything more you want to throw on there. Um, So I think my family just has a, I mean, first of all, I think a lot of diagnoses are really arbitrary. Like there was a study came out that came out that was essentially like there are I forgot what the number is Four. it was four or seven. <laughs> um, I think, but they were like, there are four or seven clusters like, um, uh, like genetic clusters of schizophrenia. And they're basically saying like, man, I could talk about neuroscience and, and all this stuff all day. It's so essentially there's <laughs> something called endophenotyping, <clears throat> which is the way that we need to be going about, um, neurogenetic research. And it's essentially, um, there's a really well-designed study that happened in China and it's essentially looking at, man, I'm taking like the most roundabout way to this answer. It's essentially <laughs> looking it. at I like, love it. 
Yeah. Um, what genes are implicated in depression, major depressive disorder? So they took a bunch of people. So A, they only they only used people that were Han Chinese that lived in China, which matters a ton, obviously, because it's a really um, homogenous or homogeneous sample. B, they only took people who presented like pretty similar presentation, I guess. So only people with major depressive disorder, not like dysthymia or whatever. And they found they had really robust results. Um, and so I guess that's just me and my pedestal saying like, we need to be taking very specific samples of people and looking at like, like schizophrenia. One person with schizophrenia looks so different than another person with schizophrenia because like some people have a lot of, um, oh man. I could talk about schizophrenia all day too. I, I wrote a couple <laughs> papers on the neurogenetics of schizophrenia, but essentially some people have a lot of um, positive symptoms, which are like any added like hallucination, delusion. Some people have negative symptoms um, and we just lump them all together. And these people are all so different and we do these studies and it's like, wait, why, why are we not like finding robust results? And it's like, well, Hey, these people are all like super different. Well, actually, that's it. That's a like yeah. people are just different. Um, but to answer it, I I think my family um, they like all of us have dealt with varying levels of trauma, um, whether it's neglect or whatever. Like some people more overt, maybe some people less. Um, but everyone is at least just like I would say on the the general anxiety disorder like spectrum which again that diagnosis doesn't mean that much unless it means a lot to you um and i have a couple siblings who like one of my brothers dealt with substance use pretty bad like he went to rehab one of my brothers has like debilitating social anxiety and um i think it's like currently going through a lot of kind of psychotic episodes um <clears throat> And I remember after my freshman year working at this job and pulling weeds uh, at the time I was making like 14, 16 an hour, which I was just like, holy crap, this is like $4 more than people normally make. I'm just pulling weeds, hanging out with my bros, <laughs> listening to music. Um, but I remember one day I got there early and was just thinking, I was just like, man, what's wrong with me? Like, I just don't feel normal like i feel like this isn't the experience that everyone has and remembered a conversation that i had with one of my other brothers about my brother about how we were basically just like he was talking about his like how he had social anxiety and i didn't really understand what that meant um and i remember at the time just thinking like man that must suck like to be to have like social anxiety and then i looked it up and i was like crap <laughs> like this might be me <laughs> Um, and so I inevitably, like I went to my PCP, not, um, the drug, but not angel dust, but I went to my <laughs> primary care provider. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I, I got like a, a prescription for an antidepressant. I eventually started seeing, um, my, uh, student health center. I started seeing a therapist on campus and I mean, they like threw around a bunch of terms, like, I don't know if I've ever really been formally diagnosed, but it's it's essentially like my presentation is 
I have a lot of social anxiety, which is weird because like, I don't really know how to describe myself. Like I'd call myself an ambivert. Sometimes I'm the life of the party. Sometimes I'm like at a party, like hugging a wall because I don't want to like interact with anyone. That um, meme standing in the corner. Yeah, basically they don't, they, they don't know. I have social anxiety. <laughs> um, it's too real though. That's like too real of a right? manifestation of that meme. <laughs> um, and so just, I think the most, the most accurate is, a something like dysthymia, which basically kind of a dated term, but basically just means chronic mild fatigue. Um, OCD. I have, I blink really hard and a lot. Like I think that's the most obvious motor tick that I have, but I have a lot of motor ticks. And if I try to like control some of them, I, I get them worse and like, like they'll move. Um, and so there's that and I just have like really obsessive thoughts. I have some compulsions like people think about like when they watch like true life, I have OCD. Um, not that bad, but it, it definitely like affects me. And then um, I don't know if I would get like a social anxiety disorder di like diagnosis, but I, ha I definitely have. O like I definitely have a social component, a social anxiety component built into my OCD. And so basically I think what drove me there inevitably was, was my experiences. Um, I've been saying ever since I was a junior in college, like my goal is just to help, I guess kind of selfishly in a way, but I don't really believe, believe in altruism anyways. Um, my goal is like to help all the kids out there that like felt like me. Um, I don't know if either of you read um my medium post but i think that i did for sure yeah um i i just like i think that the way that i am today is because of the way that i was parented and the way that my family dynamic was like it was uh it was a weird space where i was like the third youngest of eight and so like i pretty much got picked on by everyone except my youngest two siblings and then like there was a weird dynamic where like they were too young to get picked on, but me, I was like, I was like ripe for the, you know, whatever with everyone. Um, and so uh, I guess the other like pseudo diagnosis is, um, oh, what's the term? What's the term? Um, I'm trying to think. I guess I'll look it up while I'm talking, but essentially I think there's, part of the reason why I'm so interested in attachment and trauma is because I have my own like attachment issues and have dealt with my own trauma. Um, sure. Oh, so it is. Oh, there we go. Anaclytic depression, which is super funny because it basically just means like interpersonal depression. Um, and so, yeah, that was just a really long winded way of saying like, um, I, I can't do anything else. Like I, I have to, I have to help people in some way. Like I think if I wanted to, I could write about baseball for a living, but I don't really have any interest in that. Like it, it, it kind of, it kind of worries me to not help people, you know? Yeah. Like I just think, no, no, I get that. That's, that's you know? awesome. And that's the, I think it's great when, somebody is able to find something that not only that they want to do, but they feel like they have to do. 
Yeah. Like they feel like there's, there's just something inside of them that like, this is the thing I have to do that I have to give to the world or give to society uh, because I, I don't have the ability to do anything else. And I think that's, that's a special kind of uh, passion in life. And it's awesome that you have found a job that, uh, or a field that allows you to do the thing you feel like you have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I don't even remember what I was going to say. I mean, I just like, I literally, uh, what I was going to say is I, I can't imagine myself like doing anything else. Like yeah. I could do baseball and it's, I can't describe like how easy it is for me to just write these articles and just like, it's, when I think about like a flow state, like I don't think there's any other flow state that I have. Like it's really easy for me to like interact with kids. Um, I just like, um, they just make me happy, man. Like they're so oh, yeah. just unsullied and innocent and just like beautiful things that we inevitably just, we lose all of that creativity and imagination. And, you know, I that's obviously a societal thing. Like I think we could retain that if or at least some of it, if we weren't the way that we are, Dude, but we're super like, yeah, you are, you are so, I, I can't even begin to tell you how much I agree with you because having, having two kids myself, it, it's been, it's, it's incredible to see little kids, uh, you know, especially babies as they experience the world toddlers yeah, because uh, you know, I always strive to um, be very present. You know, I'm a I'm a big fan of mindfulness and meditation, and I'm a very like kind of spiritual person. Kind of always have been, and uh, and I always strive, as I think a lot of people do, to try and be present and kind of you know drop the story with everything there's, you know, yeah. the very first chapter of the Tao Te Ching talks about, you know, the Tao that can be named is not the eternal Tao. It talks about how mm-hmm. the importance of, you know, when you name, as soon as you name something, you lose it. As soon as you see a tree, you start thinking, Oh, oh. well, you know, I once saw a cool tree that was nice, or I once sat under a tree and it was very pretty, or this tree's pretty, that tree's ugly. And you, you lose the ability to just experience the tree, right. but children do not have that. Like when a two-year-old or a one-year-old sees a dog, they just see a dog. Like they're just experiencing the dog. They're not thinking about the dog they had years ago or they're not thinking about how one time a dog bit them or whatever. Right. They're just experiencing the dog in the present moment. Unless they're think- little Albert. <laughs> you know <laughs> but yeah but they have no like you said they're completely unsullied they have no preconceptions about the world and they are just constantly little balls of presence that are walking around all of the time just soaking everything in with no no connotations to anything and i think that is something that so many people can learn from it's why i i grew up in a a very christian household i still kind of you know love my old Jesus imagery and uh, vernacular. Yeah. And I think that's why in the Bible, Jesus talks so much about children and how important mm-hmm. they are. He always talks about like, you know, you, you know, the, you know, the kingdom of heaven is belongs to people like these children. And I think it's because it's, you know, they're present. They're not beholden to stories 
and all of the things that we drag ourselves down with every yeah. single day. But anyways, that was my, I, sorry, I started preaching. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that is all to say that I, I could not agree with you more. The kids are just fascinating to be with and just such a joy. Yeah. And your work too, like that's just so important, man. Like for, I, I know I've told you this. I don't know if I've told Ben this. I have not told the listeners this, all 22 of them, however many there are right now. <laughs> it's like, so I'm, I'm uh, bipolar two. Uh, mm-hmm. amongst several other like you know diagnoses pseudo diagnosis a lot of a lot of a lot of yeah. stuff going on up there um and this was only i only started to figure out figured out a couple of years ago really um and i remember like thinking just hearing you're talking about you're right like that that's what's great about kids is that they're so present and in the moment until sometimes there's a point that like i i can remember like the first time that i can really remember trying to think about the first time i felt that feeling that you were talking about mike when you're saying like um and there you go with me just completely right? disrate like it just oh I, what can i say it just that's your brain that's just like the natural so I, that's it that's what I, it we'll, is we'll see you know i should we should do some analytics on this and see <laughs> see how it turns out but, um, you know i love numbers <laughs> so yeah like that what you were talking about though that moment you're like is is it like this for everybody like i don't feel i don't know what normal is necessarily because i don't feel and i can remember being that way is like you know late as as early as when i was 12 13 even even a little bit younger and so if you can be there in this in this space working with kids who are i don't know might (laughs) be able to help help figure stuff out before i did it i feel considerably lucky to have more or less gotten some of my my symptoms under control and been able there, to you know uh made, made those moves but i'm i think i think a lot about people who um for any number of reasons like aren't going to have the same resources to put a name on what's going on with them and to you know right find and, and receive help so um i'm like and i also on a like a daily basis have the same the same conflict in my head with like my 15 year long desire to be a sports writer with my my thought like what are we what am i doing for the world yeah here? like i don't know if i'm if that's like really what i'm about you know so yeah yeah and where we really that was a quick hour i mean there's a <laughs> right um there's a there's a really good um interview of uh just this like random at least to me woman um interviewing kurt cobain um and they touch on a lot of cool stuff. It's like, it's so cool. It looks like it's in a hotel, like balcony. You can see like the the Ferris wheel on the pier in Seattle. But there's a there's a a part where they're like talking about to Kurt, uh, and he he just says something like kind of tongue in cheek, but he's basically like, um, you know, like if if like if people could see my soul um, while I smiled, like they would cry. And that's kind of how I feel like about myself like i i i don't know like i I feel like people don't even i'm i'm very open disclose a lot to people on twitter that i probably shouldn't (laughs) um but i I feel like people really don't understand like what my internal experience is like um and i don't know I, i feel like one of one of the things that like makes things worth experiencing i guess is like a helping people that kind of deal with this too um i forgot the other one 
<laughs> so there might only be one reason. Well, uh, I mean, helping helping people eat. I, I, it doesn't surprise me, honestly, that I, I will say, you know, when I read your Medium post, um, knowing at knowing that you worked in the mental health field before I read that, after I read that, I said, oh, okay. Like, I get it. Right. I get why he's yeah. in the mental health field because when you've experienced that, you know, it, you, you kind of want to, it, it makes sense for you to want to help other people in that situation because right. you, you have the, you know, the ammo, I guess, to uh, to help people because you've you've been through it, and mm-hmm. and then to learn, you know, to go to school and kind of learn how to help people. You have on top of your experience, you have the academic background, but I but I completely understand, you know, the desire to to do that, especially after reading that post. And um and actually speaking of that post, I wanted to ask about it, and. I want to preface this by saying, you know, disclose as much or as little as you'd nah, like. Nah, man, um, I'm an open book. You know, I, I figured, I figured, um, <laughs> which is why I wanted to ask. But what, what was it that the, the Medium post was great? And anybody who hasn't read it, you know, go read it. It's fantastic. I believe it's your pinned tweet on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's really, really, really well written. Um, and what was it that kind of inspired you to write that? And also, what have you, you know, the response to it so far? It seemed like, you know, it, it gained a, a good bit of traction. It seemed like a lot of people read it. Uh, what kind of response did you or have you had to it so far? So every once in a while, just um, on certain days, I'll write kind of sentimental, um, whether it's just like an Instagram post or just a tweet. Um I'll write something often because I think a lot of it is just stigma, you know? Um, I feel like if I, if I can't, you know, talk about these kind of things and who can, um, and I'm sure there's, there's a large part of me that just like wants pats on the back or like whatever. Um, but I think it, it was just like, Bell, let's talk day. And I normally, I normally, you know, talk, um, and I saw that Brandon Warren of, um, or Warney, I, I forgot. I was on a podcast with him. Uh, he's no a, clue. Uh, yeah. He's a Minnesota twins. Um, like yeah, no, I know who I know he has no <laughs> idea how to pronounce his last <laughs> just name. for the listeners. Um, <laughs> but he wrote I up can go tweet at him right now. Be like, right. <laughs> we'll, we'll get it back before, you know, the end of this, Probably. um, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> he wrote just this like heartbreaking, beautiful piece. Um, just about his experiences and it really resonated with me and I like didn't have his experiences. And so I was kind of thinking about it and what I always think about is like, what do I want to get out of this? And it felt again, like really like self-serving or like selfish or whatever. Like, like I just want like people to be like, Oh man, that was such a, you know, whatever. And so I, I thought about it and I, right after I read it, I had a counseling appointment in my bedroom. Not like my counselor wasn't in my bedroom. It was on, <laughs> it was on uh, teletherapy. You gotta yeah. love it. <laughs> um, and something that I've talked a lot with her about is a lot about with her. There we go. Is altruism and just like, 
you know, what's my motivation? Um, and we've talked about before. It's like, it doesn't really matter what your intentions are. Like, I know this kid from high school who like this, he was in line at the grocery store and like this dude went out to his car to get his wallet and he paid for it and posted about it on Facebook. And I'm like, get over yourself. You know, like, I'm glad that you did that. I guess I'm like, I'm not even really that glad. Like that was probably just a dumb idea. Um, it's like a Walmart or something. Then just like, go. Like, yeah. Right? Like, uh, screw him. <laughs> so I was just kind of grappling with that. And, and I kind of just came to the conclusion with my counselor that I think it was a story that was worth telling. Um, and so like I have t- over 20,000 impressions and, it looks like wow. 280 people read it um, wow. just from like my tweet. Um, and I just, I felt like it was really cathartic. Like I had heavy teardrops, you know, while writing it. And yeah, yeah. Um, I, I could, I totally get that. There is something to be said, uh, not to, I, I interrupt a lot. Sorry, no, uh, but there is something to be, I just want to like, very much agree with you about how like cathartic it is to to write about uh pain or to kind of see it listen to i think it's why we like to watch sad movies or listen to sad music because there's um eckhart tolle has this thing where he talks about the the pain body the pain you carry around Mm -hmm. is your pain body and the pain body likes to be seen the pain body likes to remind you like hey i'm here i like right. I'm, I'm right here and that's yeah. why we we like to watch horror movies that scare us because it's the you know or sad movies that make us cry it, you know it's it's the pain body that makes us pop that, that pops out and says hey i'm still here so <laughs> so and that's and same with sad music sad you know writing about our trauma and writing about things that make us sad it's it is cathartic so i yeah i i love that that's that's great but anyways, i definitely keep going you know yeah. i gravitate towards towards sad music like my favorite band's nirvana my favorite artist yeah. is kid cuddy i've been listening to a ton of a ton of phoebe bridgers lately oh um, phoebe's so good julian baker huh? yeah man uh dude julian I, baker's like a whole other level of sad for me sometimes not, like, dude I saw you post about that. The I forgot what song it is, but that line where she's basically like, "Yeah, I don't wear seatbelts sometimes." Dude, I, like, know. I don't. Yeah, care. she has she has a song like sometimes when I'm driving, I don't wear seatbelts because then if I get in a car accident, I'll die. And it's just like, <laughs> Jesus, Julian. Yeah. Um, but just it's man, it's it's really. Um, I don't know. Every every reference that I ever have is like cutting your Nirvana, but there's a there's a Nirvana lyric yeah. that's like I miss the comfort in feeling sad, and uh-huh. it's just so true. It's just like such a mm. an easy state to be in, and that's where I got into trouble in like 2016. I was super depressed, um, and like, um, like it ended up turning into like suicidal ideations, and I just I started making my own poetry and and art and it was all like really self-deprecating and it just ended up like kind of digging me into a hole that I couldn't get out of for years until I started doing well I got back into therapy but started doing work in like self-compassion and now um um I think I would be doing better if I was outside of the 
the pandemic, but like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of my best friend now. Like, um, I like I got me like before I was like my like literally my own worst enemy. My self talk was awful, and sometimes my self talk it's less like aggressive. It's more so just like, oh, that was a really dumb thing to do, rather than like you're an idiot. Um, but I catch myself now, and I'm like, hey man, it's not really a big deal. Like like that you like fumbled over your words in front of like a barista you'll never see again. Um, yeah. I love know? that. I love that because I think the thing I love most about that is that it's, it's sort of you, sort of you recognizing that you are not your thoughts, but you're the witness to those thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so important because as soon as you, once you recognize that you are the witness to your thoughts, all of a sudden, everything becomes so much simpler and easier. Mm-hmm. And and having that kind of self-talk where you're like telling yourself like, hey, it's okay, you know, to, to take a feeling like embarrassment at, mm-hmm. you know, fumbling your words in front of a barista, taking that feeling and saying, acknowledging the feeling and saying it's here, it's okay. Yeah giving it space to kind of breathe and then just kind of saying like, that's okay. Like I'm okay right now. I understand that this, this, you know, we're all still kind of children inside of ourselves Mm -hmm. and that child is, is scared and, you know, feels weird. It's something weird just happened and it's okay. And just kind of letting that go by. That is, extremely healthy and something i strive to do like that's that's amazing that's exactly i one one function or one symptom of of ocd is like intrusive thoughts for a lot of people and it's essentially i mean really just like sometimes i'll literally maybe like i'm holding my newborn niece and i just get like this like flash of like just like this thought of like throwing her against the wall you know like some like scary um but i have intrusive thoughts a lot about just embarrassing things that have happened to me, um, like basically social gaffes or just like things like that. And the way out of it, because I they used to dog me for days at a time sometimes or hours, was just I started just have like I would have a thought and I'd be like, like, that's a thought that I'm having. And rather than like trying to push it away, because we know that like research shows if you um if you try not to do something like there's the the study, I think of like the pink polar bears or something like that, where they told people not to think about pink polar bears and they thought about them more than people that they didn't tell that to. They would basically just go away or at least, you know, quicker. Um, And now I don't really deal with them as much. Like they still come up and sometimes I'll find myself not really using that tool. Like I just literally forget it's in my tool, uh, tool belt kit box. Yeah. Um, Any of those words work. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, But yeah, so basically I just wanted to tell a story, um, which makes it sound like they aren't like real experiences, but like a story about stories are very real in my opinion. Yeah. Like this is what happened to me and this is why I'm dealing with the things that I am. And obviously Mm -hmm. I'm able to talk about it in a pretty nuanced manner because I'm I'm pretty knowledgeable about the literature. I'm pretty knowledgeable about like the science behind things. Um, So I was able to kind of weave in and out of scientific talk and then just like anecdata 
on my end. <laughs> um, is that the plural? Is that the plural of it? I so it's basically the way that I think of it is I don't know if if it is, but but I think of it as like people say people say like that's anecdotal and that's kind of a way of like writing things off. But I think that sometimes yeah. it's really important to take that into account. So I, I think sure. that's way cool kind of than saying it like yeah that too S, like <laughs> um I think it, it's a good way of fusing kind of the scientific objective yeah you know form of whatever with your experiences um but it, it is, really resonates it is, that is the plural you're right so thank you wow. i'm sorry that's like adhds right here this is like <laughs> i like heard that and i had to be on it but yeah. that's in my vocabulary now and i love it um and that just totally <laughs> intruded on it but uh <laughs> nice conclusive moment. i got sorry. <laughs> i was i i was just blown away how how much people were just like moved by it and and so many people i mean the thing that mattered to me the most because i'm not out here for daps like i'm i i wanted to write something that people resonated with and people will just be like yo thank you for sharing this like i have this experience my daughter has this my son whatever um and that meant a lot more to me than anything else could have so it was it was it was pretty cool it was a it was a great piece i i read it and i was just like oh now i want to hug him <laughs> but it was I, it was so well done like the narrative of it just the the the, the way you did it it was it was it was great yeah Thanks, I, I the fact that you're again that you're writing this stuff and that you're actually just like going and doing this with your life and your work is so important because like you said there's so this resonates this stuff resonates with so so many people you know there's even if it's not the entire thing you know no brain is perfect you know everyone's right. and it's all about you know, the tool, use the word toolkit or toolbox slash belt slash kit. Like yeah. it's, it's all, <laughs> <have> one of them. <laughs> it's, it's all about having those mechanisms to, to deal with uh, the things that happen to our brains that we don't mm-hmm. want to happen to them. And so, you know, if we can, there's more people out there helping people develop those toolkits, the world will be a much better place and people right. will be a lot happier. So I'm real, uh, yeah, excited to, to hear where, where your career goes, I guess. It's yeah, exciting, man. man. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just my jam. Like uh, when I, when I learn, you know, different things about trauma and attachment and just counseling, like, um, one of my favorite things to do in undergrad was to like print out studies and like go through and highlight them and then like add notes and stuff. And like, I don't get that, that feeling from many things. Like it's basically the big things for me are like I have like interests and then like kind of sub interests within them, but like mental health, music, um, baseball. And so it's just like, it's, it's one of the only things that like makes me feel just like feel stuff. Yeah. Um, Oh, I can relate. <laughs> well, that, yeah. that actually acts as, a wonderful segue, segue. Let's yes go. A segue. <laughs> i will say we've talked over an hour about mental health and i love that i i we could talk about it forever um but this is a, this is a great segue because uh you have a lot of interest obviously in mental health you have a career in the mental health field so how then did you kind of pivot to well, this question is going to be a two-parter how then did you kind of pivot to sports writing <laughs> And, you know, doing that as much as you do. Mm-hmm. And also specifically, 
why uh this is the question we ask everybody why baseball like what is it about baseball that uh is so you know there's a billion sports out there what is it specifically about baseball that you that draws you in I've always loved sports. It was always football, basketball, baseball for me. Um, one of my greatest memories ever as a kid is is my dad. My dad's the hardest work I've ever met in my life. Like to this day, um, 68 this year, and just like bust his butt. Um, he would get off of work. And he would come sit on the couch and I would like pull his boots off and we would just lay together and watch the Mariners and he would scratch my back. Like it was just like a, um, a ritual and it was like the best father son time ever. And he would work so hard that he would fall asleep, um, often. And I would like, kind of, I'd like make subtle movements with like my body. So like he would kind of wake up and then like start scratching again. (laughs) Um, but like, I guess that's exactly what I think of when I'm like, I'm really, really excited to be a parent and like basically, uh, again, like almost selfishly, like just give my kids everything that I want them to have and that I, I wish I would have had. And it was just like one of the most special things ever for me as as a kid and like really just events ever as a human. Um, and I think the obsessive part in me, because I've had OCD ever since I was probably a toddler. Um, I used to like, I remember vividly like going to a bonfire at a, the neighbors right behind us. And everyone knew that I was just like obsessed with baseball. Like I would, I would memorize stats. They'd be like, Hey Mikey, what's, uh, what's Ichiro's batting average? And I'd be like, 342. Uh, Or they'd be like, how many ribbies does Brett Boone have? And I'd be like, oh, 79. Um, And so I was just like obsessed with baseball and and I really liked other sports, but not in the same way. Um, I would would go into the backyard and like it would be a sunny day and I would like mimic batting stances like in in the sun, like in the shadows. Um, I played baseball. Um, so it was just like kind of meant to be, except, um, I've had, most people don't know this about me. I actually have a little bit of a lazy eye. Like it's really hard to describe, but, um, I don't use both my eyes at once. Really. It's basically like my right eye is my vision and it's the main eye I use. And my left eye is like kind of just peripheral vision. So if I try to. If I try to use both my eyes at once, I get double vision and I I see huh. one one image and then I see another kind of tilted. Um and my left eye is like pretty weak. So I just once kids started getting started getting better, I just stopped being able to see the ball as well, stopped being able to track fly balls as well. Um yeah. and I'm just like an anxious person, so I started getting scared of the ball and like as a hitter. I would basically step out of the box, like towards the third baseline. Dude, same. I got I got hit by a ball once. I get hit. I was a I was a pretty decent hitter. Um, yeah. And then I got hit by a pitch once in practice, and from then on, 
Really? Was, as a kid, I was terrified of the ball. I, I couldn't hit a lick. I And I'm pretty, like, hyper-athletic. Like, even today, um, like, I can probably still do a pretty crazy box jump. I still, like, you know, I'm athletic. Um, but I just, I had to stop playing in, like, fourth or fifth grade. I played, like, in seventh and eighth a little bit for middle school ball, but I sucked. Um, but I just, ever since I was a kid, I, I, I watched... The Mariners, like most nights, I loved going to games. Um, and then in high school, one of my friends in my American Sign Language class, he'd be like, "Hey man, um, did you read that that Dave Cameron piece, or did you read that Jeff Sullivan piece, like on Lookout Landing or Fangraphs?" And I'd be like, "Oh yeah, man, I read that." And like totally lying, like never ever, I hadn't even heard of them. And that was my foot in the door into um sabermetrics basically and i i had no idea but like i just slowly built on my knowledge over time and it's been pretty exponential i would say in the past two years like ever since i joined pitcherless i i know when to use certain statistics i know when to not it's just a fun it's like a fun not experiment but game to me like i love i love just piecing that puzzle together um so it's I, it's yeah. kind of a lot of my interests that intersect. Um, Jeff Sullivan writes in just the most silly and unique way ever, and I always try to channel that. Um, I still try to without kind of co-opting it or like you know stealing it. His style. Um, I love. I've always loved writing. I've always I think been a strong writer, at least developmentally. And then I just love baseball. So. Um, I think if I wasn't going to play baseball, it was going to be this. Um, yeah. Again, a really long-winded way of saying I love no, it no, growing no, no. up. And... Well, so I guess my my question, I, I kind of want to dive a little deeper into why baseball, though. I mean, of all of all, is it mm-hmm. is it the connection kind of with your dad, which would be which would make total sense, or is there like what what is it about the sport of baseball specifically that makes it unique to you from all the other sports. I, c- I can imagine also having the Mariners be like that 2001 team. Those Mariners yeah, teams were at a pretty, were pretty good. formative age. Like, yeah, I think a lot of my sure. experience was like probably melded by having the White Sox win the world series when I was like nine or 10. Oh, um, whoa. And after yeah, that, we, so like, you know, that really, we, Oh, I, uh, I was yeah. not born the last time the <laughs> Orioles won a world series. <laughs> Oh no! And, uh, the, the, my the, point, the point stands. <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know. No, I, I. It's funny. It's so interesting. That would be an interesting thing to look at. Is what child, ch- the childhood of uh, kid or kids who grow up fans of a team, like when they're winning versus when they're Ooh, losing. That sounds like a good study. Because, like, I definitely grew up as a huge fan of the Orioles, and you know. In the late '90s, the Orioles were good. They were definitely, you know, they were in the playoffs and stuff. But I, I wasn't paying super, super close attention to them. But by mm-hmm. like 2000, when I was paying close attention to them, they were just—I mean, just trash, yep. just a hot dumpster <laughs> on fire, and and still are to this day, except for like this mm-hmm. brief weird blip where they were like in the ALCS for like a year. But um, but yeah, and so I interrupted. Uh, <laughs> But oh, no, I, that's that's interesting. Is, is that so? Is that really kind of like you know being in the area when the Mariners were good? Is that kind of what drew you into baseball, or, or 
Like what, what is it about the sport? I think it must be. I think it's that, um, that relationship I had with my dad. I mean, I remember loving the Sonics when they still had the logo that was like the space needle and it was like red and green. Yeah. I love the Sonics. I I actually remember like I must've been young because you know, those like little spinny things that babies sit in when they're really young and there's like toys on the perimeter. Yeah. It's kind of an extra saucer. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like watching the Sonics, like watching, um, I think Ruben Patterson, like throw alley-oops like Desmond Mason, probably like, I remember doing that and like dumping, dunking a beach ball, like into one of those. So I must've been, I, I remember being too old, like feeling kind of weird, like this isn't a good enough hoop, but I <laughs> had to have been young, like that was in the 90s, um, so probably like five. So I really loved it. And there were some good Sonics teams, but I think it must have just been that those experiences I had watching with my dad and playing. Um, I didn't play a ton of basketball. And I'm really glad, like the only gripe that I have with baseball right now is it's such a homogeneous, like it's just white dudes. They make Sorry. it hard. Man. Sorry guys. They, they make it real hard. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Just the culture in basketball is so cool. Um, I definitely get that. It, it, it is man. Baseball MLB doesn't make it easy to be a fan. <laughs> no, for sure. they don't. They really do not. Uh, it's just so poorly run. <laughs> I'm I send you all. Ship. It's hard not to. I'm gonna send you all my my master's thesis when I'm done with it. It's, oh, please do. It's yeah. It's there. The things will be addressed. I hope. But yeah, they they. How to fix the MLB by Zach Hayes? <laughs> yeah, right. So, not even. It's just me yelling at people like, oh, "What the fuck is wrong with you guys?" <laughs> 25 pages of <laughs> are, are we allowed to swear are we like explicit uh, we, we 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 uh we bleep it we what we do what okay. zach did last time we we <laughs> so you want to know what's funny is uh the reason i referenced you on the last podcast was because <laughs> uh zach and and chris both dropped some curses and uh and they were like oh you know sorry and I said, don't worry. I'm pretty sure Mikey was the first person to curse on a pitcherless <laughs> podcast already, like episode one. So yeah. it's all good. But I, no, uh, what, what we do, we'll just, uh, Zach kind of does the Missy Elliott with it, which he takes out the word and then flips it around and reverses it. I have it, so, I have it wait, in Audacity and I do a little reverse inverse. Like, no <laughs> way. Yeah. That's yeah. such a good idea. I used to do on Audacity, I did intro and like walk up music for all of the baseball team stuff. So I became an expert in like making curses yeah. illegible <laughs> without, without, yeah. without messing up the flow of uh, right. what's going on though. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. I literally just recorded me going <laughs> over it, which I, that was like, <laughs> the funniest thing that i could think of doing uh i, no, I that you know. that that works to like you know hey look we got the pitch list image to kind of maintain but also again i i cannot emphasize enough that nobody listens to this so oh, it's totally totally okay don't don't uh don't do too much to lose your your current uh <laughs> no it's all good hey the people who do listen, we love you. We love you dearly. And I love you. Uh, I love you too, buddy. 
so all right so we've gone like hour and a half i love this i'm super glad that we have um so where do we, yeah no uh no baseball i mean we're talking baseball the, this is kind of the meat of the yeah of, i guess one of the meats of the podcast. right right yeah right exactly <laughs> so baseball um clearly important to you from sort of the i love the family history of baseball i definitely have a lot of that too i you know mm-hmm. I, I grew up an orioles fan uh, you know as a kid and uh have a lot of great memories as a kid i think that I think that has a big plays a big factor in whether you love baseball or whatever sport. Uh, you know, if your parents are big fans of it and you have a lot of memories as a kid, you know, with that sport, I could I mm-hmm. can definitely see how it kind of gets ingrained in your in your brain. Um, so I love that. Uh, of all the ballparks you've been to, I don't know how many you've been to, but do you have a favorite ballpark? So that is that is in seattle i assume i assume if i have to then it's literally like the one in talking like talking stick or whatever like the spring training field because i've never been anywhere except t-mobile park doesn't that suck oh man no no no. i look you're looking at a guy who has been to camden yards i've been uh, a million times uh, I've been to Toronto, whatever the Rogers Center now. Yeah, um, yeah. I I went before it was the Rogers Center. I went there a long time ago, and that's it. Those are the I only mean, ballparks I've been to. So T-Mobile I, Park's I like it. one of the best. Like we have a huge. I think the biggest video board in sports. Um, it's one of the only stadiums where you can walk in a circle. Like obviously not a circle because it's a whatever but you can walk around the entire thing yeah um which is incredibly nice like i i look at some parks i'm like man that sucks like you you like it's like you can see the walkway from from pretty much anywhere it's 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 a really nice park it's really family friendly food's pretty good beer's pretty good uh the weather's generally bearable it has a retractable roof um so it's I think it would be one of my favorites. I obviously want to see well, I don't really care to see Fenway that much. I really want to see Wrigley. Um is this so called Miller Park? Uh, yeah. No, I think yeah. they might have just changed no. it. I I maybe that it's was something, something that was made up, I think, which is really I think disappointing too, because yeah. like it's like as far as brands go too, like Miller and Milwaukee is like a real thing. Right. You know? It's yeah. not oh, just yeah. like I mean, it's I, American family feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh um, come on. Gross. That's on my list. That's almost as bad as guaranteed rate field. Yeah, it's not great. That's a terrible um, name. That's I still a call horrible it, name that everyone say, in Chicago should be it, ashamed of. The funny thing is nobody <laughs> nobody here calls it that. People you like if you're old school, you call it you still call Kamisky. it new Comiskey. And if yeah, you're hello. like a, if you're like my generation or like anybody born prior to like twenty twelve, you say the cell. Formerly okay. US Cellular. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I think Petco's like on my list, but um there aren't that many that I'm like dying to go to. I will say that I am in yards. I, I Camden biased, Yards, but you've never uh, been Camden, man. It's so nice. Actually, I have heard it's really good. Um, it's and I, I, I want to see the White Sox play. Um, in part because their stadium looks good. Um, also, I would love to to meet. Uh, is, 
Is it Malachi? Is that how you say it? I forgot. Malachi, Malachi, Malachi. Malachi is how you, the United States folks would say it. Malachi is how the Irish folks would say it. So I so give Malachi. you your choice. Okay, there you go. Uh, there you go. I'd love to meet my homie Malachi, Janice Stereo, oh, yeah. of course. I have a lot of, I think the most, the most like, um, of like my, my following, uh, like fan base wise is White Sox. So yeah, I don't know how it happened. White Sox Twitter has like a really weirdly pervasive set. Like it's not big yeah. at all, no. but there's just a lot of people who are like involved. We're going to have Janice on here. Hope sometime soon. Hopefully Please. Janice is to set a date, but I love Janice so much. She's one of my best homies that I've met on, um, I guess Twitter really just like the baseball community. He's awesome. Feel that. Um, shoot where where to next um okay so let's let's take things a slightly different direction now uh so you you live in the state of washington i do and i live in the state of illinois this is going to be a boohoo for you ben over there in maryland but uh (laughs) in illinois in illinois and washington there are certain things that are legal that aren't legal in other places um so i'm i'm just gonna have to ask you because you're like very well documented as a sampler um, of different things. What is your favorite kind of edible? Um, so there are some edibles called pioneer square edibles here uh, in Seattle. There's these little gummies. Um, I think they're like, uh, I think they're like little indica gummies, but essentially they're just like little gummies and they taste like amazing for an edible like i actually kind of like the taste of like the thc when you get that little bit and, you get that little yeah, bit of, i don't like even it, know how to describe it's, it it's like. kind of comforting in a way which is weird because um well you guys are probably going to want to hear about this uh after i say this but um i think just those little gummies i i i like cookies and stuff too but um i will never drink the drinks i will say that there are drinks like CBD, like sure, but THC. I've heard of someone who chugged one, and he had a bad time. Which segues into what I was gonna say is, um, one time I called the cops on myself. When I was, oh no! When I was high. Okay, yeah. Explain okay. that one. What? <laughs> how does that happen? So I've, hit, I've, I've, I'm sure you've noticed by now, but I, I have a habit of, of just giving way too many details and stories. So I guess I'll, I'll tell the story. I'll try to be like kind of succinct. Basically. Um, let's see. I was just like, I was still in undergrad, um, was celebrating just like being done with my semester, which, or quarter, which was really hard. Um, it was like when I first started taking school really seriously, was going to celebrate with a cookie and it was my only day until for like another week that I had, um, I had no school and I had no work. So I was like, I'm celebrating. Didn't have anyone there with me. I was just like, I'm going to watch some white collar. Um, is that what it's called? Yeah. With uh, Neil Caffrey. Yeah. Love yeah. The USA, the USA show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I like USA shows, but anyways, I was like, I'm gonna watch some white They're collar. The best. They're the best. Psych. Okay. Monk. Psych. Take, I was going to say. Okay. okay that's true. Psych. Okay. Psych's uh, one of my faves. Is that mon? Is that Mauricio in there? <laughs> Dulé Hill is just one of my favorite so actors good. of all time, and I don't uh, even know what. You happened. mean? You mean <laughs> Gee Buttersnaps? Yeah. <laughs> you mean, do you mean Scooney U-Turn Sailor? 
Okay, I'm you mean, do you mean MC clap your hands? Oh my! <laughs> That's my favorite running joke on that show, oh, and they have a lot of running jokes. jokes. There was there, a while where so I was obsessed. I was obsessed with finding the pineapple, like for a while. Dude, I I I never find them. I I've probably seen four. I just, have you seen the second uh, movie that came out dude, last I year? Seen either I of the movies. I need to see them. First, movie we should is watch good. it together. Another. Yeah, man. I haven't seen the second movie. The first movie is good. Uh, it's just like a long episode of Psych. Second movie I haven't seen. Uh, they basically did the second movie so that the guy who plays Lasseter could have a bigger part because he had a stroke. He, I heard the first he looked. Movie. I, I heard he looked like he had a stroke in the first one. Yeah, he 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 popped up for a second, and you could tell like he was yeah. he was looking rough. And uh, but he's he's better now. And they had the second. It's good. Uh, movie is called Lassie Comes Home. So it's uh, it's mainly focused on him, but yeah, I I still need to see the second one. But great show. But anyways, you call the cops on yourself. <laughs> so I'm gonna celebrate tonight, and so I I just started eating it, and um I, I remember like finishing it, and I was like, crap, like it's like six p.m. or seven p.m. I was like, I need to. It had been probably 45 minutes or an hour or something. And I was like, I need to, I need to get high because if I don't, you know, um, so I, I went to the weed store, they had good deals. So I got another, maybe like one or two, just to preface, I didn't eat both of them, but went back home, ate another three quarters. And I was just sitting there and I was like, man, I'm not really like, I'm still not high. So I went to the gas station Grabbed some snacks. I grabbed, I still vividly remember grabbing powdered donuts, a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream, and I think a family size bag of chip aways. So I get back home. I'm watching um, White Collar. I'm like, man, this still, like, I kind of feel it, but like, it's still not hidden. And I, I vividly remember eating the Lays and just being like, I'd eaten a lot of all three, but just like being deep into the bag. And then just being like, oh, whoa, I'm, I'm pretty good right now. Um, and I'd been having what I'll describe as like heart jolts uh, oh, recently. Man. And it was basically just like this zap that felt like a pretty sharp pain, just like in my chest area. And it would sometimes it would like double me over. Like I would just be like, oh, and it would just go away. And so I had already been paranoid about my heart. Like I'd already had bad experiences smoking or, or eating edibles, whatever. And so many times I've had the experience where my heart starts beating really fast. And I was like, oh, it's okay, man. Like it's chill. Um, but the added, the added, like being too high, like, I don't know if it was clear, but that trip that I went on, I was obviously high given the snacks that yeah, I bought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but given just the intensity being home alone and just the added paranoia, I started to get really high and my heart was beating to the point where I was like really, really paranoid. Um, so I, 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 I looked back at a text that my mom had sent me just cause I told her about my heart jolts and she was like, well, if you're paranoid, like call 911. Um, so I uh, pulled up trusty old Google and I was like, heart attack symptoms. And I was like, Oh, oh no. yep. 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 <laughs> all me. And I was like, okay, well 
I'm having a heart attack. Oh, so man. I I called 911 and I was just like pacing back and forth because I was really paranoid and obviously not thinking straight, but I was like, if I stop walking, like I'm going to pass out and die. Um, so I walked outside, sopping wet socks, like it was raining and I'm just out there like a freaking Omarion icebox video. Um, and I'm on the phone with them and I'm like, Hey, I think I'm having a heart attack. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, okay, like explain your symptoms, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I explained whatever, like, I don't even know why I thought I was having a heart attack. Like, I don't, I don't even know if people's hearts start beating hard when they're having heart attacks, but they're like, okay, um, count your heart rate for us. And I was like, okay, one, two, <laughs> three. And they're like, okay, like, this is not, this is not like working. And they're like, okay, just like say where you're at we'll come to you whatever and i was like actually i'm gonna walk up the street and they're like what <laughs> like sir please stay where you are and i was like no i'm gonna walk up the street and they're they you're having they're a like, heart Fine. attack stop walking <laughs> okay so i think that i don't know if it's just for me i feel like marijuana when you're having a capital b capital t bad time it actually mimics kind of psychotic symptoms so i get really paranoid like i think that paranoia is just kind of like baby schizophrenia like baby psychosis i start having these um associations where i think that they're like meaningful um so i thought if i walked towards my my neighbor's house with christmas lights that i would be walking towards the light i thought it was like symbolic of like oh i'm gonna die (laughs) so i started walking up the street and then i got once i got up back up there uh, I turned around and I hallucinated that there are like people in my yard, like looking over like my dead body, basically ended up getting back to my house, super wet socks, just plopped down on the couch, called my friend. I was like, Hey man, having a heart attack. Bye. Um, and I God. see, I see like the, the flashing lights. Um, so they, I, I basically open the door and I'm like ready to like hop in the ambulance and go. And they're like, sir, please sit down. Uh, what eventually happened is they hooked me up to like an EKG, like six people in this room. And and once they all came in, I was like, man, I'm one of those guys. Like, I'm not having a heart attack. I'm, I'm freaking. You just do, right? There. I'm that, I'm that guy, you know, that, that uh, I think the most famous example is that like cop that took the, you know, evidence and ate the weenies, uh, not the weenies, the weed brownies with his wife. But my heart was beating 176 beats per minute. And I think oh I was my just God. having, yeah. yeah. So That's it was beating really fast, objectively. Um, but I was just having a panic attack. Um, and they were just like, so if we thought that you were like going to die, we would take you to the hospital. And they like made it really clear that like, you're not going to die. Um, yeah. And they were just like, is there anyone that can like come hang out with you? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> jill come hang out with me so jill was working and uh i was like hey can you come over and like watch tv with me like the paramedics are making me uh so we watched some bob's burgers and um i chilled out after a while but that was one of two times um both weed induced in which i thought like legitimately thought in my in my heart of hearts that i was going to die Dude, so, that is that's a weird sensation. 
I still dabble too. I don't know why, but uh, you probably no, see no, my, the, my the high sensation, tweets. The sensation where you feel like you might die. Oh, I know, but I still, I still eat edibles like to this day. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I'm a, a human and dumb. <laughs> I've never, I've never had the like the thought I was going to die paranoia. I have been like the like the quaalude scene in wolf of wall street <laughs> like laying on my carpet swimming through air type yeah. stuff but i've never gotten super paranoid which is a i guess yeah. i should be thankful for that experience um it's not, it's not great I, don't, yeah, that was I, not your favorite edible don't do it at home I, no yeah <laughs> i had some stuff once um it wasn't it wasn't an editable um but is we were having like a uh, some friends over for like a game night, you know. We were at some friend's house, and this guy he had some stuff. And afterwards, I thought it would give us kind of like a a light high, yeah, like kind of just like a relaxed, like mellow feeling. What was it like DMT? Little did I know. <laughs> little did I know he had some heavy stuff. Like whatever he had, the way it made me feel was I wanted to be in bed asleep. I was like, I don't want to be here. I don't like this. I don't <laughs> like all the people around. I am tired. I am. I feel weird. I feel gross. I just want to curl up in bed and go to sleep and be just out of here. Yeah. And completely ruined like the whole game oh, night yeah. party. Yeah. And I still had to I still had to get home. So I was like sitting there like, how am I going to drive home? Luckily, by the time I had to drive, it had mostly faded away. But the entire Mm -hmm. time I'm sitting there going like, I want to be. He was hosting the party. He fell asleep. He went to bed. He did the Uh, thing I wanted to do. Yeah. (laughs) Like literally mid like game night. He just like, we're like, where do you go? And everyone's like, he was in bed. He fell asleep. (laughs) And like, I'm just sitting there like, how dare he? That's what I want to do. Steal my shine. No, oh my God. But you're absolutely right. Like it just when you're having a bad time, it it like emphasizes the bad time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like it makes a bad time a real bad time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> anyways, I want to I want to move forward to the next segment where we're going to kind of just talk about some some kind of random stuff that's fun uh, before we get to our final thing. But the first thing I want to talk about, these are kind of. I I call it I tend to call it a lightning round, but don't feel pressured to answer super super quickly. But right. the first thing I want to ask is uh, what Zach has named wonderfully the uh, order of operations trifecta. We've oh. asked this of all of our guests, and we've gotten some interesting answers. So first question: When you get dressed, socks or pants Ooh. first? It depends. Mostly socks. Man, this is so weird because, and I've said this, I've said this, this is the third time I'm saying this now out of four guests. The very first guest we had was Alex Fast, and we asked this question. He goes, what? There are people who do socks first? What is it? <laughs> like, like me and Zach were like, I know, right? Like there's crazy people. And then since then, Jake, Chris, and now you all said socks first. So the wildest thing. I mean, I, I like when I get out of the sh- like I have I have roommates. I live with my my brother and my brother's girlfriend. Uh, I feel like it's just kind of weird to like. Well, I guess that doesn't matter at all. Basically, I try to just have underwear and socks on. So I think the first thing hmm. is underwear and then socks. 
Yeah. So it's so it is socks before yeah. pants though. That's, yes. That's fair. I'm gonna say I think I've I've had to say this three times now. My like my logic has everything to do with the shower aspect of it though. It's that like when you come out the shower and your feet being at the bottom of your legs, which are on the lower half of your body, mm. um, all the water drips down there. So even when you're drying yourself and you can be like the feet are still a little bit damp until like, I walk around for a second. And so like, I just, the yeah. idea of putting on socks that are with slightly damp feet is just a no. Such maybe, a for me. maybe like, work on your towel technique, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say. Not, like, I mean, <laughs> Hey, I'm not like one of those guys that's going to die on this hill, but like, what do I got to do? Like get between the toes or something? Like, come on. No, like, I, I, I've never done that. That's actually kind of <laughs> gross. I feel like. I, right. I feel like I've been like, there's nothing else unusual about my shower habits. I don't know why the drying just doesn't go, 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 go well for me. Apparently. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm someone, You're I hate queen. socks. I never want to, I never want to wear socks all around the house. I am barefoot constantly. That's how I feel about pants. Interesting. Well, You're a no specifically pants around the house guy. Um, depend. Like if I had a warm house, I'd love to be naked. Mm. That's okay. Such a weather dependent. Because like Seattle, it's fairly yeah. it's fairly temperate year round. Yeah, so it's, it's no go unless I have like yeah. dope heating. You're just um, always in the between zone. That kind of sucks. But like in my Man. house, I, I generally have like sweats and like a sweatshirt on. Being temperate year round sounds so nice. I live in I just know. the swamp of Maryland. <laughs> and it's just this this terrible swamp state that is uh, super hot and then Ugh. super cold. Like today, like yesterday, it was like okay. twenty something. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> come come to Seattle in the spring or summer. It's it's beautiful and it like sounds perfectly... it sounds like I need honestly being on the East Coast. It does not shock me that in the age of exploration all of the different countries landed on the East coast, like Spain and Portugal and all. And they were just like, mm-hmm. Nope, Nope, Nope. We don't like this. We don't want this. You know yeah. what? England, you can have whatever this is. Yeah. We'll just give us Florida. We're going to take Florida. We like Florida yeah. and we like what we've got in Spain and Portugal, whatever this weather is, you guys have it. Not we don't great. want it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the it's English and the French. Yeah. Fight over. Um, anyways next in the order of operation yeah, so that's i don't think that's actually i think that's like the the least important of the three like the least telling <laughs> i think reasonable people could go either way on the socks and pants thing but yeah. uh, milk and cereal though is kind of a different story what goes first okay so historically i do cereal and then milk i feel like milk makes the most sense though like rationally jake seely would love you right now <laughs> I'm gonna hit Jacob after this. I, I think. So I think that like you should put in. So first of all, the milk is already in there. So already when you're pouring, starts the dampening process. Um, I ha- I mean, I have an issue either way of like pouring, putting milk in, then being like, actually, I want more because I'm not a sociopath. I, I've n- almost never had one bowl of cereal. Um. So it, it doesn't really matter, but I think especially with coffee, uh, you should put the milk in and then, or whatever you're using, and then the coffee. That I completely agree Oh, no, 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 no. That's interesting. I would never, you make the coffee first and you add a little bit of cream until nah, it gets it, to the color it, that you want. No, nah, then it mixes. You just got to know. I'm also That's not, what I wanted to mix. Do you not want it to mix? 
yeah it mixes better if you put the it the goes cream in first yeah I mean, it just it just mixes for me as far as I'm aware. I don't know. Maybe I'm just bad. I don't know. Maybe I'm bad at mixing. No, no. I mean, may, I've never tried it with cream first. But the defense you're using for milk before cereal is almost word for word what Jake. Uh, Jake is very Jake is very passionate about milk before cereal. Yeah, Wrote a whole article about it and everything. Uh, oh, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has, dude. If you haven't seen Jake's uh, cereal rankings, he did like top sixty five cereals. What's, it's very, what's you know like the top five? Oh my god, there's such niche cereals too. One of them was Cinnamon was like Toast Crunch churros, Churro. churros, churros, cinnamon yeah, it was like Churro Cinnamon Toast Crunch was one of them. That's like um, kind of objectively a bad choice. I feel like really. So what he said, what? his defense of it was uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch is delicious, but the only problem is it gets. If I remember right, what he said is it gets a little soggy. But the cinnamon mm-hmm. toast churro version fixed that by putting it in like uh, churro shape, so it stays crunchy. Oh, so but it still tastes thinks, like cinnamon toast crunch. He he also thinks though that the fact that like everything at the top of the list is that is is just like different kinds of sugar is irrelevant. Um, I think mm. it's clearly a sweet tooth at play. Personally, you know, yeah. you know. Oh, I mean, but yeah, Jake Jake will be the first person to tell you that he is just an adult child. I mean, between the uh, ducktails of okay, yeah, yeah. I I will say though, because I didn't think of this until after our conversation with Jake, though. So, in the milk cereal equation, there's there's a dependent variable and there's an independent variable, okay. And so, the way I think of it is the ratio, like the amount of milk I put in the bowl, is always dependent on the amount of cereal that I put in the bowl. Sure. I don't. I don't drop in milk and then like do the like. I have an amount. I don't have an amount of milk I want to drink. I have an amount of cereal I want to eat. Yeah, but if it's dependent on the amount of cereal, then you just put the amount of milk, which is like a constant if you're good at pouring, and then you always have the same amount of cereal. You know? Okay, but I, I don't have like a measuring cup for my bowls though. No, like, you I just want, I want to eyeball the cereal. Well, like, a good, like a good chef. <laughs> oh man it's the pushback the pushback i don't know it's such an interesting (laughs) i never i never even thought that there would ever be a milk before cereal person and then and then i read jake's whole defense of it and i was like oh my god this kind of like it makes sense i'm not saying i agree with it i have my own weird cereal habits i eat dry cereal um i eat dry cereal in a bowl with a spoon so i mean like you know i yeah, that's a whole thing. That's that's but, where I draw the line. Yeah, I get no, I get that. I get that. So no judgment. But like I mean I, I read Jake's defense was like, okay, this makes sense. Like I yeah. get it. I wouldn't for, do it, for, but I get it. And for the record, Chris Chris Towers is also on the record saying that he thinks that milk before people before cereal people are <laughs> are <laughs> weirdos. Are, uh, sociopaths. I think the word sociopath has been used yeah, every time definitely, we've had this definitely yeah. <laughs> Wait, so we so really he, got a split here. So he, he is called a, himself a sociopath then. No, no, no. Chris, Chris is a oh, he's cereal before milk. He's cereal okay. before okay. milk. Okay. I'm going to do, I was telling this to Ben earlier in the week. Once we've got like maybe 10 of these, I'm just going to do a super cut of everyone saying things like milk before cereal people are psychos. And the next one being like, you are raw. It's going to be, you know, the meme yeah. with the cat. And the be, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, we definitely got to start with Alex being like, there are people who do socks before pants. And then just like socks, socks, socks. <laughs> Every single one. Okay, but this yeah. last okay. So this last one is the one we've had the most agreement on. I think, though, right? 
Generally, yeah, I would say. I feel like agreeance should be more commonly used in American English, but keep going. Agreeance? It's the British. Yeah. Oh, that's what I the, like it. The Brits well, I, use. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a really bad accent that I just like kind of half heartedly. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, I that's great. I love it. <laughs> so, uh, okay, what, what but no, I agree. The last right. one here, we've had a lot of agreeance on. <laughs> uh, toothpaste water. What is the order? Easily. So there's a very, very specific order. First of all, hot water. Hot, hot water. Wet toothbrush. Put the toothpaste on the toothbrush wet the toothpaste mouth okay that's the correct order but you lost me at hot water are you really that picky oh my Um, god yeah are you kidding me i don't want to i don't want the oh see here's the thing with my toothpaste i want it to be super minty too because i've had toothpaste where like i put it in if it's like hot water and this kind of not super minty toothpaste it feels like it's like i'm using already been used toothpaste mm-hmm. like it just feels it's, like a hot mouth it's uh, no mm-hmm. no i want it to be cold opposite. yeah and I, I will let michael explain his thing in a second but like i think of it as like a hygiene thing because i so associate like hot water with yes. cleaning and like boiling yes. water you know i get it really hot mm-hmm. and then i run it under the toothbrush and it feels i don't know if it actually does anything but... there's that which i'm pretty sure like i don't think uh like washing your hands with hot water is any better than cold water right like even though they rec- like they say do hot uh, water i would say i think the difference is probably negligible but um yeah. for hot water to really matter it's got to be super hot right um so it's that i, it's I a, will say i will thing. say though sorry one caveat to that in most taps um hot water uh is better at um uh, there's less bacteria that comes oh, in through the because tap. of the fact right Okay. If you're using oh, hot water than cold go. water. There we go. There is that. So, There's a um, so, I mean, like, like again, kind of a function of like OCD is just there are a lot of things that I do that I don't even think about um, that are irrational, but like make sense in my head. And that's why, like, I probably am a nightmare like to live with or like to deal with um, just because I go about everything in a very specific manner. Um, so it's partially a hygiene thing or, or at least perceived hygiene thing. And the other part is I feel like it better meshes or like melts kind of the toothpaste or the toothbrush. So it doesn't like slide off. Hmm. I would love to, to study that uh, actually, because I, yeah, I definitely, definitely agree with the water <clears throat> than toothpaste than water thing. I have, okay. uh, they, cause you gotta, you gotta seal the toothpaste onto the, onto the, wait, toothbrush. what do other people do? What other way is there? Water tooth, br- toothpaste go. I think Someone Alex, if I remember correctly, Alex Alex was water toothpaste mouth. Water toothpaste. Oh, you're With, right. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah. He didn't. Like, he was all any, like, he was all like, hey, why do you need to steal the toothpaste onto the toothbrush? You're like, what kind of toothpaste are right, you using? Like that putting thing? a freaking thing of chalk. Yeah, in your mouth, I mean, he's know? probably yeah. right. I. And and then I have talked to some people who like raw dog it and they just like put the mm. toothpaste on the toothbrush and go. And I'm like, that's, that's crazy. Gross. That's, that's the gross. real sociopath stuff. That's gross. That's uh, so, 
Uh, I mean, moving, I hope you rinse it like at the end, right? Yes, God, I hope so. <laughs> um, moving forward, you have said on Twitter that Friends is quote objectively not funny, mm, and I have. I want you to expound on that incorrect opinion. I feel like it's like the peak. Oh man, the only other example that I have is um is is I don't really believe in it full I guess I have to say it. I feel like it's like a peak example of I'm trying not to be like com- combative, not to you, but just or it's just okay. like Go ahead. Um, no, get combative. I enc- I'm going to be on your side here, so I encourage you to get combative. I, I will. I will preface this by letting you know that I like Friends. I don't love Friends, but I also love How I Met Your Mother, which is just basically like an uh, imitation of Friends. Yeah. So, well, first anyway. of all, they're they're all really offensive, um, and it's it's just harder for me to enjoy all things. Of the characters are, or the just what I what I've heard is there's a lot of um sexism and uh, racism i don't know just a lot of different stuff obviously i haven't watched it enough because i don't think it's funny enough to know totally but i've i've heard enough people say that it's problematic that i don't feel the need to watch it anymore but i feel like it's a peak example of just vanilla white people being like the uh, like Basically, I think most things are trying to appeal to just like the general like white family. And I feel like it's a perfect example of that. Um, It's like. (laughs) okay, so I think the Beatles are like musically like good. But if you ever tell someone that you don't like the Beatles, like you're like, yeah, I respect them, but I don't like them. Like, I don't listen to them. They'll freak the fuck out on you. Like, because I don't listen to them. I there are songs I like. There are. You know, um, like I like. Uh, I, I will tell you, as someone like... who adores and lives and breathes the Beatles, yeah, um, I used to have that reaction, and then I've kind of grown to understand that, like, music is a language that isn't. You know, it's not. Not every artist is for everybody, like right. you know. And I've, I, I, I never. I try not to say that, like, this artist is bad, as opposed to saying like this artist just isn't for me. Except for Jimmy Buffett, who is bad. But, um, <laughs> but aside <laughs> yeah, from him, true. Uh, but I, I, I get it. You know, that's fine. The, the Beatles to me are really incredible and like personally moving, but I, I also understand that they're not for everybody and that's, I, and that's fine. I get that. And I will say that they I agree. Like, that does happen. That does happen. For they sure do like Beatles pop fans. concepts better than maybe anyone in music. I feel like, sure. Yeah. Um, it's funny because Kurt Cobain didn't have any knowledge of music theory, but he just did it by ear and did a lot of, I mean, he adored the Beatles. So I think that's kind of why, but, um, so that's kind of the sentiment. Like it just, it gives me a gross feeling. It reminds me of, I have bad associations with it. And then I just, I I think it's aged really poorly too. That's the thing. It's aged. I think it's aged really. I want, I've watched almost every single episode because my two roommates, my junior and senior year of college Mm -hmm. loved it. And I was like too lazy to like, I wasn't going to watch, I wasn't a huge TV watcher. So I wasn't going to say like, turn it off, whatever. Right. Uh, 
But yeah, it's a lot of stuff from like, you know, bad 90s humor. But even there's some stuff like there's whole and I, I apologize if I'm like ruining anyone's experience here. Just uh, it, it, it is what it is. But it's like there's whole episodes based off of gay jokes and stuff. And it's like, yeah, and it's like it's one. It's yeah, one thing in like that. the 90s, but like even for like 1995, 96. I always think it's like I, I always characterized it as like Seinfeld for people who never met a Jewish person. Um <laughs> And like way less fun too. Like if if Uh, the thing the thing about Friends is that and and Ben, having watched the show, I think you can like like disagree with me. But every single plot line on that show ever could be solved in five minutes if all of the characters just weren't compulsive liars about everything. Yeah. So there is a there's a great series of YouTube videos in which it is episodes of Friends without the laughter, without the studio laughter. Yeah so bad and all of a sudden friends gets real creepy and and yeah. scary and sad uh because that. because all of a sudden you're like oh these are just these are bad people <laughs> yeah i will say i i enjoy i recognize there are a lot of problems with friends and that's one of the reasons i'm not like a diehard friends fan i think friends is funny and it's enjoyable to watch i'll you know it's it's you know it's a pixie stick of tv it's just pure sugar and i'll just like pour it down for pure enjoyment but like i don't get any anything out of it but there are definitely a lot of problems with it but at the same time i like i said i love how i met your mother and how i met your mother is just like trying to do friends again so (laughs) and all those 90s sitcoms they're just really first of all no diversity of not only of like race but like of thought like very real, little, like, yeah. you know it's really just gender um but they're all just like really privileged and like it's like oh you all like were live in i think what new york and like Manhattan. you don't they have this big ass know. room and you work at a coffee shop you, like it's, you oh no remember apparently... it's rent controlled it's rent controlled oh. that's why they can that's why they can afford it <laughs> like it's like you don't appear to like really work um I don't know. So it 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 just kind of yeah. it, it it legitimately like grosses me out. Well, and there's a lot of stu- there are studies that have been done on like what the preponderance of that kind of TV and what that kind of representation in TV does over time in terms of like reifying cultural norms that go yeah. a long way to doing yeah. like really crappy things. Oh, I mean, for, but that's like we could go on a whole different that, podcast about that. It's two yeah, hours I mean, right now no one's listening anymore. Like, yeah, 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 every, yeah. No, no, 90 like 90 sitcoms like that. I mean, you want to talk about a sitcom that like appeals to the white family like Home Improvement is like the Oh my god, dude. I mean, I watched a lot of Home Improvement. I I'll to be honest, I That's why you that's why you were a george w bush apologist (laughs) (laughs) i watched that because it was i used to watch when i would get home from school i would turn on tbs and they would have a whole bunch of old sitcoms in syndication and every day it was home improvement fresh prince of bel-air and uh yes dear and so i watched a lot of i know nobody knows what yes dear is but it was it was a real sitcom that was like around for a while Sure, uh, it's man. how I learned about <laughs> Tim Conway. Like Tim Conway was in it from the Mary Tyler Moore show. Uh, yeah. and, and Craig T. Nelson, who played coach in the 80s. But um, but yeah, so that's, that's how I ended up watching a whole lot of home improvement. But yeah, you're the ni- those our, 90s sitcoms just yeah. there's a lot of problems yeah, had, with them for sure. But um moving moving we'll move forward a little bit. Like, but go ahead, go ahead, Zach. Go. 
Um, so since we are no, like okay. at the probably, but yeah. So so let's let's get real spicy now since we're at the point where like all all of the twenty listeners are gone. So like Michael, you people. have you you are <laughs> not shy not shy about your takes on the Twitter machine when it comes to or just in general when it comes to um, things in the realm of politics, which like everything is politics, but that's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. Um, and as as you know, I respect you greatly for it. And I'm just really want to know who are some of your like most influential like political thinkers. They can be like, you know, books, art, people, texts, like literally whatever. What makes you? What what drives your learning process there? It's hard because I I haven't like the person that's pushed me the most is my older brother. Um, basically, ever since probably May of 2020, like during the pandemic. He really started to do a lot of um, kind of theory reading. Um, And so, I mean, I wonder if I can say this. Yeah, I'll just say it. I won't say who did it with me. But like I, I, I bought a cutout of a young Joseph Stalin or I didn't buy it, but I photoshopped it was a, a a picture, a black and white picture of a teenage Joseph Stalin, uh, photoshopped a Mariner's hat and Jersey onto him, sent it in. And he was like right behind first base, uh, on the first baseline for the entirety of the season. Uh, uh, I I didn't go pick it up. I will forever regret that. But, um, that's incredible. I I, I think, (laughs) yeah, just really like the, the kind of conventional, um, theory guys that you would think of. I think, a lot like of conventional anything like it could be a twitter right. or something just like who is like influencing you you know I'm, I'm... yeah um so i think really just like my my little brother um honestly but he's he's given me a lot of different um people to follow um i mean there are people like like hood communist and um i'm i'm kind of even just like blanking to think of any of them i probably follow about 15 ish people that are um either like you know pan-africanist or communist socialists um eco marks you know um but i I, myself but like like yeah um but you know um it's definitely like a niche kind of sector of um of Twitter, but I, I think it, it does a lot to I'll react to news kind of just in my head. And then I'll kind of see that side of Twitter kind of how they think about it. And I'm like, man, I'm so just indoctrinated in, you know, cause it's really just propaganda. Like I, I could go on about this for a really long time, but I think the way basically I, I just think that our news is more, malevolent than we give them credit for um i think that western media is like like really 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 bad like i'm actually i'm like a china and north korea kind of a apologist i i think that we're we don't actually know what is going on in a lot of these places and um a lot of other like every other western country reports the same thing and it's like yeah duh um which is obviously controversial but um yeah so i think i mean i could look through and like find you know accounts that i follow but really my little brother and i do a lot of talking and um 
I've said some stupid things, what I've considered stupid things before, and and he's called me out. And later I go back and I think about it and I'm like, yeah, you're right. But I'm not going to like, I'm not going to tell you that. I'm not going to acknowledge it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I would describe myself as like a, an easy socialist or left of that, like a legit socialist, not Bernie Sanders, who's not a socialist. Um, yeah. Democratic <laughs> socialism. Has- yeah. Yes, yes. I want to do like a whole other podcast where we where we talk about this stuff for two hours. But um, so yeah, now. that uh, especially the the whole media point you're making because you're you're looking at like an altruistic uh, or hopefully altruistic uh, uh, journalist. My day job is as a as a journalist. Yeah, yeah. who got into journalism is like I want to tell the truth to the people, like that kind of a yeah. thing. So it's hard, man. It's you, yeah. you don't know who to you know. We, I, I mean, I, I basically told Ben to eat shit on, <laughs> on Twitter one time. It's all uh, good, man. It's all good. It, it, you're not the first. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there is um, one last question I want to get to before we kind of move to our last segment. Mm-hmm. And this is a question. I don't know. I have a good feeling that you're going to give us a good answer because we've been shot down many times mm. on this question. As have you? As in every time, have you ever seen a ghost or experienced something mm-hmm. that you can't really explain? Yeah. So love it. I don't do it. I don't like. It's weird. I'm scared of ghosts. I don't necessarily know that I believe in ghosts because I feel like I'm not a religious person. I'm not all that spiritual, and I think obviously you you have to be one of those things to believe in them. So when I was in sixth grade, I moved down the hill. Um, I, so, you know, I, like I said, I lived in a really like cookie cutter suburban neighborhood, um, just like aggressively middle to low middle class, like where everyone just feels like they're upper class down to a city called Pacific or Algona Pacific where like people where I lived really looked down on people down there. It's, it's a lot more diverse, a lot, a lot more low income, but it's just like more normal. Um, and we moved into this house. So we sold my house because my parents got divorced and we moved into this like ugly brick house, this rambler that like, if you walk from like the general front door area to like the living room, I think it sloped down about like 13 inches Um, just like a really crappy house, really old. And I mean, the most troubling thing to me about the house was first, it was, it was super creaky, very old. And I'm just like a very paranoid person. So like, like when I walk home at night, my head's on a swivel, like I'm constantly looking behind, like, you know, um, so it's already just like not great, but in my room on the closet door, there i just had this wooden closet door and there were just splatters and they were red and over time you know they kind of faded to like a brownish red you know but it looked a lot like blood and so i was just super hated hated being home alone my mom i would get off the bus and if my mom wasn't home um i would I would do one of two things. I would one, wait outside for her, which sometimes would take an hour or two. I was like in middle school. Or two, I would open the door, which is really hard. Like I could barely get the key 
to like go in the whatever like I, you have to be good at opening the door to open my door um and i would just sprint into a room and like lock myself in there but it gave That's me the heebie-jeebies that was a uh, you have to be good at opening my door to open my door. Right, like, like I, that's my like. I know exactly what you mean. I've never. Oh yeah, it. yeah. I've definitely that's, had that's doors where like you need to have wonderful. some skill yeah. with that door. <laughs> um, it's like the pit my ride episodes where it's like, yeah, you have to like start it in second gear and then like pump the gas. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, you cross yourself three times, spit over your left shoulder, and you're but all like. Good. Pretty soon after we moved in, my mom went out with a couple like sort of family friends, her friends, and just got like like messed up um and came home pretty darn drunk like had to be carried to her bed but like it was me my two younger siblings and my sister i forgot about this um sleeping in their room i was the only one up doors locked my mom's asleep like she's like blacked out i'm like kind of getting chills like thinking about this and i hear I hear like footsteps, like creaks kind of. And I hear like a jingle at the door because it's just like one of the those older doors. And I hear it like trying to be opened. And I just like, I don't know. I was in like sixth grade. So I was like, I don't know what to do. So I just like kind of like hid under my blanket and my heart was racing and just it like stopped and I don't want to like add any more details to that. Cause I don't know if I'm like creating a false memory, but I'm like s- pretty decently certain that I heard those things and there was no one else in the house that could have done that. Um, so that's probably the most significant experience that I've had. Um, that's intense. That's, I, th- I think it's pretty like, yeah, man. About as close as that's you can get wild. without seeing it. Yeah. Um, oh my God, I hope yeah. I'm not just like one of those people that's just like making things up, but no, no, that's, that's, I've definitely, I've talked to people who have had like weird experiences, mm-hmm. maybe not as exactly like that, but like similar. It's, that's, that's wild. That's so yeah. scary too. I can't, even, Dude, I can't even imagine. Like, I, I can't either. And I experienced it. Like, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, I think, I, I think unexplained noises are actually worse than like catching, like yeah. seeing something maybe yeah. because like you see something, you catch something out of the corner of your eye and then it's not there anymore. You can look around and be like, right. okay, it's not right. there. You hear something, you have to go you somewhere yeah, else yeah. to mm-hmm. confirm whether it's there or not. Like yeah, you can't right. listen around to be like, wait, no, that, there's nothing there. I, yeah, I'm exactly. not here. Yeah. And exactly. I had like a kind of a similar experience in one of my college households where uh it was enough i don't remember it as vividly but i remember kind of a similar thing like maybe hearing footsteps heart was beating super fast but once my roommates left that summer to like go home i was the only one that stayed once night like fell i literally it was a pretty spoopy house like it was like a dungeon so once like it was dark enough i would literally either a pee out of my window or b pee in like a gallon sized distilled water jug because i'm disgusting um i dude i'm i'm like still look i respect the fear i I respect the fear i mean i get it i get it i uh that's crazy that's a great answer we have 
I got to tell you, when we have asked that question to like every guest, I've, everyone's just been like, no. Like, and just I'm glad like, I have one. Yeah. I'm glad you. I, I'm glad you did too. That's I would lame. also. I would also push back. I disagree with you slightly. I don't think you have to be you know spiritual or particularly religious. I I wouldn't say like I've never seen a ghost. For but I'm to never going to be a guest. Believe, you know? But like, okay, but like I believe I believe that there are millions and millions of things in the universe that I have no hope of ever understanding. Mm. So like, so mm. I see something. I don't know what the hell it is. It's probably not. That's uh, true. I'm a, if I, That's if true. I call it a ghost, I'm a, it's a ghost. You know, do you have a better yeah. explanation? Uh-uh. Right. Like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. I take that. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. That, that, so that, wasn't, that actually... wasn't directed at you, uh-huh, by the way. So. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear. No, no. So I actually, I actually lied to you because before we get to our final segment, there's, there is one thing I really, really wanted to ask you Let's before get we it. get, and the last one will be, hope we'll be a little quick. We'll see. Um, you are, as you've mentioned, and I, I only really want to ask you because you've mentioned a few times, you are a big Nirvana fan, yeah, you're a big Kid Cudi fan. Yeah. So real quick, I want you to rank Nirvana's discography for me. Does Unplug count? Yes. I was wondering if you would say that, and yes. Oh, dude. This is going to be so hard. Okay, I'm going to go... So number one, I'm going to go in utero. I think because it is the most. Number one, it's the most experimental. It's the most just like raw. I think the mixing. Steve um, Albini. Steve Albini does such a good job. Um, oh man, the, oh geez, I could go on. Like it's it's the best mix of. Kurt basically was just like, I'm not even going to try to balance this like pop part of me and punk part of me like on dumb. It's a Beatles song, you know, like uh, uh, all apologies. Like it's got some like distortion on the chorus, but it's it's different. It's just the most different album. So I think that is their best album, their best studio album. Um. Next, I would go Unplugged. I think Where Did You Sleep Last Night or In the Pines is it's got to be the best performance I've ever that, seen. That song, I heard somebody say once that um, their their parents wouldn't let them listen to um, the Why? Unplugged album because on Where Do You Sleep Last Night, at the end of that, or just in that song, they said you can hear the death in his voice weird and i was and when i heard someone describe that i was like oh my god that at the end of that song because that's the last song of the set if i remember correctly yeah yeah that's the end of that song he has the part where he's getting real high he goes the octave up and he has that moment he pauses just kind of breathes and And then he opens his eyes yeah yeah that that moment says so much to, and maybe i'm reading too much into it because of what happened to him months later right right but to me like when when i heard someone say like you can hear the death in his voice i was just like oh my god you kind of can yeah like you can hear the emotion that he's putting out there and then the just that that sigh that moment is just like <sighs> okay like yeah. just like i gotta push through this it's it's creepy it's it's an intense performance. And just, you know, the fact that they did Unplugged unlike any other artist or band in that um, 
MTV like wanted them to play the hits, and they're like, eh, "We're gonna play Lead yeah. Belly and three yep. Meat Puppet songs." And <laughs> yep, you know, was, um, I think uh, the Ringer the did Bowie a really song. good did a really good oral history. I think. Oh, I think I th- I think I've like I have that somewhere, and I don't remember if I got around to reading it. But that's a I'm actually gonna type that in right now. Um, um, <laughs> ah, here we go. Oh, I got it for you already. <laughs> um, perfect. So that's so next. in utero unplugged um i think i have to go never mind over bleach although i think it's kind of close um i would agree with that i think bleach is their it's their most pure punk album yeah um i think never mind like I'm really interested to to know what that would look like if it was like Steve Albini instead of Butch Vig because it, it's almost a little distracting to listen to it sometimes and and just notice how clean it is, how much like double tracking there is. Um, I don't think it's 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 definitely not like the album that I think they set out to make. I think I think Butch Vig had a, a really big impact on the end sound and Steve Albini's talked about that he's like my role isn't he doesn't call himself a producer because like my role is to help you make the album that you want to make and even when it comes to like recording takes he's like I let the artists decide you know for the most part they know what they want to record whereas like Butch Vig was like tricking Kurt into um, uh, double taking vocals or, or right, yeah. I mean, he had to, to John Lennon did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just saying yeah. he had to talk him into the double take, uh, double tracking. Um, so it's it's kind of distracting listening to it sometimes, but also like there's a reason why it's one of the most popular albums of all time, and it's just kind of undeniable. Um, and and you, you can go. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just like it's. I haven't thought about this in a while. I was just wondering because like, it really. I feel like it's really hard to properly rank an album like that, where you know that it's yeah. like its cultural impact and ubiquity is going to color how you actually affect the music. But it's also interesting thinking how, like, like, and maybe I'm not a huge Pearl Jam fan personally, but so like Dude, I, you, I, you guys might be able to tell me, but like, hate Pearl Jam. I feel like I feel like oh, Nevermind. Like Nevermind is a departure from what Nirvana really was in a way that like. For yeah. example, like 10 wasn't really 10 was kind of Pearl Jam. You yeah. Know, doesn't sound super out of place necessarily. Then maybe, you know, we'll it's interesting about that, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I, I get what you're saying. And I, I, one thing I always caution people when they're ranking albums is I always say, never take, never try to be objective about it. And like, like the huh. objective way, quote unquote, okay. to, like to rank then. an album. Yeah. Well, to, to what it means to you personally, when I mm. see somebody's top hundred albums of all time, I don't want them to say Sergeant Peppers is number one because it was so important and blah. And oh, then dude. London calling. And then, and then it's, you know, uh, <laughs> what, you know, then it's animal or dark side of the moon. If those albums mean something to you, great list them. That's fine. I mean, Sergeant Peppers is in my top hundred because it means something to me right. personally. It Dark Side of the Moon is there, and that's fine. But 
But I want it to be in your top hundred. I want it to be your top hundred, not what you think right. the top hey, hundred is. That's uh, that's kind of how I made my top one hundred starting kitchen <laughs> rank. Um, that brings exactly. up two things for me. A, um, there one of my favorite tweets is the the first thing is just in brackets. I wake up in a world where the Beatles never existed. Me, check out this song I just wrote. Uh, and then in brackets, I begin playing Abla di Abla da without having <laughs> first built up years of goodwill. Crowd of people. Wow, this sucks ass. <laughs> so here's the thing. When people point out bad Beatles songs, they usually mention two songs. They mention Yellow Submarine mm-hmm. and they mention Obla di Obla da. I will mm-hmm. tell you, Obla di Obla da is very catchy and fun kind of prefer the version the offspring did with why don't you get a job um mm-hmm. but it's the same song it's the yeah. identical in every way shape My and form God. zach's like zach's mind is exploding right <laughs> like, now it is 100 percent identical knew that oh my it's, god you, that's the best thing i've learned tonight and i've learned a lot of really cool things <laughs> in the last two it's hours. identical in every way but um <laughs> That, yeah, obla di obla da. I I get it. It's fun and catchy and stupid. But, yeah, but um, yeah, that I yeah I get the criticism of it. I I really do. I just think it's funny. <laughs> um, and then the yeah, second yeah. thing is like, that's why, in terms of just like where I feel like where I place it in my heart, like has a a place in my heart. Speeding bolt to heaven by Kid Cudi. Um, came out when and may have exacerbated but came out when I was like having a lot of suicidal ideations and was one of the first like moments where I was like holy crap like Kurt talks a lot about different things and and really I think people just read into his lyrics a little too much like I think um, we find meaning we kind of backtrack and find meaning whereas Kid Cudi came out and you know, like he explicitly says it in some songs. I mean, I, I think I'm confused. He says like, um, sometimes like I want to f- drive off a cliff and like fall in the void. Um, explicitly says, you know, things like that. So it will forever and ever. Um, that and I think Bleach and and Nevermind because those were albums, all albums that I was really into at that time. Um, so Nevermind uh, would be third um bleach next and it feels weird to to rank bleach fourth um i i feel like there's an alternate universe in which i don't like it's higher i just feel like their their discography is just so strong um and then incesticide um no i forgot about that one it's i think it's it's cool because like turnaround is one of my favorite covers like ever um they i think they pretty creatively um cover songs and then it's just different like it's like new wave and just like weird and um uh like there's that new wave version of like poly that we would have never heard so it's like it's just it's kurt like it's it's good i every song that he ever wrote is really um really thoughtful like the lyrics are really thoughtful which i think he would kind of push back on but um <laughs> they're they're really thoughtful and like the he's just such a clever 
clever songwriter and then just so good at coming up with melodies and chord progressions and I mean that's and that's why Nevermind I think is so strong is because it it's kind of in a way like the two things coming together it's like he's so good at just like doing those like pop choruses um and just like pop whatever but also it is really like endless nameless is just like noise and like territorial pissings is like a yeah big ass like you know it's like a fuzz box uh for three minutes so um yeah, I, I think Incesticide's like really not even close, but it's still something that I actually listen to a fair. I listen to Yancey makes fun of me a lot. I listen to a lot of like Cuddy, Hirvana, The Weeknd, Lord Huron. Like it's like those four, like a lot. Lord Huron's an interesting choice in that group. <laughs> so, <laughs> dude, like, Vide Noir, I, one of my favorite. I like Lord Huron. I like Lord Huron. That's interesting. Yeah. What's your favorite uh, uh, weekend project? Sorry, we, we do have to. No, 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 you're good. No, 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 you're good. No, um, that's such a good question. Kissland is another one of those that I, I I think will never get as much shine as it should. I feel like that's a really tough question. I think Starboy. Mm-hmm. Just like I haven't heard anyone do pop like that since like michael jackson dude it blew my mind when i learned that the weekend i mean it, it blew my mind and also was not surprising when i learned that the weekend was another max martin guy so oh like, I don't, yeah. yeah yeah like i yeah, the max martin has written so just a master of pop music that nobody knows mm-hmm. one of my favorite pieces of music trivia is uh paul mccartney has written the most number one singles John Lennon has written the second most. Max Martin has written the third most. Really? I could see Absolutely, it. yeah. Absolutely. It's because he wrote everything the Backstreet Boys did. He wrote uh, all of the Britney Spears' stuff. He wrote uh, like every hit that Taylor Swift has had, basically, except yeah. you know, or early pop music uh, Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Not the beginning Taylor Swift and not recent. Uh, yeah. And then Katy Perry stuff, Kelly Clarkson, uh, The Weeknd. I mean, just... Every pop hit, Pink, mm-hmm. every pop hit of the past like 25 years has been written or co-written by Max Martin. Maroon 5, all of their uh, pop, really poppy hits after songs about Jane. It's all Max Martin. The man is just incredible. I, it is a, it is incredible the mastery of the pop hook that he has. Yeah. It, it's truly amazing. And- and that's that's what I think is so interesting about why I like the weekend so much is I like I loved House of Balloons and the whole trilogy, mm, all three of them. Yeah, like, I loved I loved early weekend, but he made like he's one of the few artists I've ever followed in my life that see, like kind of successfully made the transition in my own mind from actually went full blown pop star and mm-hmm actually is still kind of making music that I like. Cause I think of like someone else yeah. I think about a lot is I listened to Ed Sheeran a lot back in the early, like around 2010, mm-hmm. 2011 when he was still 17, 18. Cause I knew people like in England who were telling me about him and he was doing some real crazy, like crazy cool stuff mm-hmm. uh, with all of these like grime artists and doing really creative yeah. inventive stuff. And then, you know, of course he had this big hit and he went all pop and I haven't listened to anything he's made in six years. <laughs> I mean, yeah. 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 I, yeah, I don't think he's like sold his soul, you know, to the to the industry. I just think still makes songs think, about cocaine. So right, like <laughs> I, I think he does he does pop better than 
almost anyone. I mean, I think he does it the best right now. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't like, I think he's kind of the closest that's come to like a legitimate pop star since Michael. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Yeah, I get yeah. that. I get that. Um, so we're going to move to the final segment. We're going to move through this because we are, we are, I joked that we could go three hours or almost at three hours, which is amazing. <laughs> I love is this it. the longest? Um, this, oh, for sure. Yeah. We, we broke two hours with Chris and we were like, this is the longest. That's hilarious. totally, totally good. I, I love all the conversations we've had. It's been wonderful. And when I, when I, you know, when we kind of conceived of this podcast, one of the things that I emphasized was like, I don't want there to be, a, like we gotta end after this, you know. If yeah. the conversation is good and we're talking about good stuff, you know, I don't want to drag a podcast kicking and right. screaming into like two and a half or three hours. <laughs> but if it happens, great. Yeah. Um. So we're gonna move to our last segment, which we call the full count. And in the full count, we are going to ask you for a recommendation in each of five categories. Yes. This sounds yes. awesome. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. First recommendation, and it can be anything. It can be. An obvious one. It can be an obscure thing. Whatever comes to your head. Very first category is going to be books. Oh, man. Am I allowed to get multiple? If you want to, yeah. Let it rip. <laughs> so, oh, man. Speaking my love language. Number one um, for fiction, Perfume, Patrick Suskind. Um, it's actually what Sentinel's Apprentice is about. Oh. Um, it's basically just about this... Um, this kid born, uh, scentless and, but born with like a crazy nuanced, um, kind of, uh, sense of smell. And so people, it's really like, like scent matters a lot in this kind of depiction of this world. And so, um, people hate him because he, he doesn't smell like anything. Um, and he kind of hates people back. And so he, he kind of just becomes like, um, I don't know, like a hermit and he tries to get away from everyone and eventually like just can't really do it. And so he seeks out to make everyone love him. Um, and the way to do that is to concoct the perfect scent uh, via perfume. And the way that he makes them is by murdering beautiful women, um, usually like young, young women. Um, so it's like a fascinating book. One of the most well-written books I've ever, probably the most well-written book that I've ever read. I think it's adapted from French, Italian, something. Um, so that's my number one fiction. Um, yeah. (laughs) Quick hitters from, is it, is it Dutch? German or German? Yeah. Oh, I'm an idiot. Uh, it's adapted from German. Interesting. That's what I I'm getting all of my information today from Wikipedia. So like, uh. yeah, no, I believe it. <laughs> um, for nonfiction, number one, the body keeps the score. It's about trauma, and that's that is on my reading list. I need to read it's, that. It, it you know it uh, it's part of the reason why I wrote that article that I wrote, and it's really informed how I view mental health and how I view trauma. But basically, it's just about how trauma. Um, a lot of it is about how trauma creates a disconnect between your mind and body. Fascinating. Um, the author is a little bit kind of a piece of work. He got fired from his job for being a piece to his, his, uh, whatever you call, not the opposite of superiors. Um, self-compassion under, under yeah, I was under, gonna say like underlings, subordinates. Um, subordinates. yeah, basically. 
self-compassion we should all be a lot nicer to ourselves um and then probably last is come as you are by emily nagoski um it's about woman's sexuality and and does a lot of myth busting and just i think for anyone that's in a relationship with a woman whether you are the woman or you're uh just in a relationship with said woman um it it helps to do a lot of you know myth busting it helps explain like um women anatomy pretty well and really just serves as like almost like a couples counselor in term in terms of like sex and just like how to approach stuff it's it's really fascinating and um i, I think people should be required to read it so those are probably i might be forgetting a, an important one uh because i have like a big five but that's those are my books word word um yeah. that's i'm gonna have to look all those up that i don't know um food recommendation number two that can be like uh like literally anything food related can be a dish a restaurant a food item a concept like yeah <laughs> um seattle washington hood famous uh cafe there's two of them but it is filipino owned they make the craziest desserts um and food and they're pretty much like 90% of them are um like filipino or Fil filipino influenced um it like makes me feel at home and they do like great design work whatever uh one of the owners is half Ben, you might know them. It's kind of obscure, but he is the MC of Blue Scholars. Um, Blue Scholars. No, nah, it doesn't ring a bell. They're super. They're super good. But uh, okay, yeah, yeah. That's my. I think that's got to be my number one. That's awesome. I love yeah. it. Um, next category is movies and or TV. Friends. Ooh, um, so <laughs> friends, yeah, friends is a must see. <laughs> um, I think my one like it's one of those shows where you finish and you're like, "Fuck, I'm never gonna be able to enjoy that the same way." I wish I could find a show that I could enjoy in the same way. Mr. Robot, um, I need to watch that. I dude, just it. I know. I don't want to spoil anything, but but Rami Malek's acting so strong. The cinematography, yeah. I'm not one that normally notices all that much. So good. Um, the plot it's high is amazing. on my list. I intend to get to it soon. It's definitely high on my list. I would push it higher. Um, and then, I mean, we talked about Sykes. Sykes, like one of my others. Um, those are probably my big ones. Oh, Death Note, yeah. if you're into anime. Oh, man, that's my next. I just watched, so I watched... Um... Which show did I watch? Um, but, but I watched Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood a couple months ago, mm, and I, I started just, that. I just finished Cowboy Bebop, and I didn't. I wasn't a fan. I it, really some people don't. some people think it's a goat. I need to rewatch it. I think, but it just didn't <laughs> didn't jive. I, I would love to have this conversation. I I loved it because it was like sick, like under understated a little bit. Yeah, but, but I would be I would be very curious to hear your hear your thoughts on that. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna give another shot. List. Yeah, at some point we should we should. Well, next time we have you on, because I'm sure we will cycle through folks at some Please. point or another. Yeah, <laughs> uh, make note of that. Um, okay, wow, we have spent so much time talking about music, but music off the top of your head. Ooh, um, 
I'm really tempted to look at my uh, my Spotify. Um, That's what Jake did. Really? Um, well, shoot, I'll, I'll I'll scan while I'm talking. Um, man, Punisher by by Phoebe Bridgers is so good. So um, good. So so good. I have and a lot, I, and I I would add on to that. Her first album. She so has good. This brilliant also. cover of uh, a Tom Petty song called "It'll All Work Out." That is, it's such a good, sad song because mm-hmm. it's it's sad and not sad at the same time. Like, it's a song about essentially about divorce. It's you know, he talks about being committed to a woman and uh, losing her, saying you know when she needed me, I wasn't around, but then immediately hits the turn with when she needed me, I wasn't around. It's the way it goes. It'll all work out. And it's, it's such a brilliantly written song and the way Phoebe does it is just with her voice and the way she uh, covers it. It's beautiful. It's so good. She's fantastic. She and the whole and the boy genius EP. Speaking of her, that was Chris. That was Chris's recommendation. And that whole EP is so good. Yeah, I can't I can't like not recommend multiple. Um I think one of the most underrated albums like of all time for me is Satellite Flight by Kid Cudi. Um mm-hmm. just one of the most like you he says that like it was supposed to only be like five songs but his like creative juices were just flowing. It legitimately like I it's still on my list to like take shrooms and listen to that album. It feels like you're going on a journey to the moon like with him. Um so that's like probably my number one. I, I do think that people should, um, I, I guess I'm going to do Cuddy again. I think that people should give Speeding Bolt to have another chance and not listen to it like it's a Kid Cuddy album, but like listen to it like a grunge album because people are like mad. Uh, I remember all my friends like listening to this and be like, oh, this sucks. And I'm like, do you like grunge music? And they're like, no. And I'm like, oh, that's so weird that you didn't like it. Um it's just such a creative album, uh, and I think that there are tracks that people will probably hate, but um, uh, yeah, it holds a, a special place in my heart. Last one, I have to plug um, my friend Kevin Boyce. He has a um, an album called Something for Everyone, which actually I was going to design the artwork and do something like kind of crazy, but I ended up just writing and kind of angsty lettering. It's on Spotify. Um, it's like in monochrome because they wouldn't accept how it initially looks. So it looks kind of ugly, but it was supposed to be called a little something for everybody. And I misheard him, um, which I think is just kind of like a fun story, but he just makes like cool kind of folk, folk rock music, um, indie folk, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I mean, I'm making music myself, so I lean on him a lot because I don't understand music theory. So have to plug the Yeah, Yeah. 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 That's awesome. uh, yeah, send if you want to send like links or stuff, put it in the notes. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. We can absolutely I, do that. I so. love that you just um you literally answered one of the points that we actually didn't get to on this list, which I, I don't even remember where I saw it, but I remember you maybe tweeted it something about speeding bolt hell heaven. So I actually have Oh, you're like on our little music section. One of my bullet points is here is sell me on speeding bullet to heaven because I and you have successfully done so because I was actually just listening to thinking about this because I was listening to a a kid named Cuddy tape the other day. It's so good. It's so it has aged so beautifully. It is not it is no worse now than it was in 2008. I need to listen to that more. 
it's classics man there's actually classics on yeah. there like man on the moon heaven like, at night heaven at night maui waui like oh uh what's that uh the, day, the day and night was originally on there too i was literally listening to it the other i don't day. know oh, i don't know God. kid cutty enough <laughs> i i gave God. man on the moon a listen because i i hadn't heard it before which one? Uh, one, two, or three? The first one. <laughs> and and, first uh, pop, I assume, yeah. and I, I liked it. I liked it. Um, it was the so I used to be part of a, a monthly uh, record club uh, called Vinyl Me Please, and the record of the month was Man on the Moon. And I was like, oh. all right, fine. I should I should give this a listen. Uh, they did a nice, really nice repress of it. Um, but uh, yeah, I I wouldn't know anything else by Kid Cudi. Honestly, I I don't Dude, listen to him. I, mean, I should listen to him I'm, more. I should. I'm partial, but. Um, I just it's, love pretty much everything that he's made. So, yeah. Um, oh, I think the song was um, Down and Out. Is that what we were thinking of? Yeah. Yeah. So, ah, um, so good. Gotcha. So okay. I was like, I love that tape. I love Man on the Moon 1 2 Indie Cud. And I was one of the people like Satellite Flight and Speeding Bullet to Heaven. I just kind of checked out and I was like, oh, I just oh, don't satellite really like this. So good. And then, but then like um, Passion Pain and Demon Slaying, like, got me through so the good. winter yeah. of 2017 or 2016, whatever it was, which was like the worst winter ever for well, mm-hmm. until 2017. And then the one after that. But, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so I, but I never got into speeding bolt with heaven, but I've been, I've understood recently that it, I don't want to say like, like cult following is the wrong word. Cause it's only been like no, five no, years. It's, but it's, no, it's true. It, but it, it's been it's been like reevaluated. I understand, so I'm willing, definitely willing yeah. to give it another shot. And I think that's a good a good guide you just gave me. Yeah. I I also need to give Wizard another shot because I hated it when it came out. Um, I still like, really it's kind of the same thing as Nevermind. It's a little distracting for me sometimes. Just like a lot of the times, it doesn't necessarily have drums. It's pretty simplistic, but I just think I I think it's so overrated. Like that's why. I think Nirvana is good because they keep things like the beauty of it is how simple it is. Um, so I don't like teleport to me, Jamie on WZRD is still one of my favorite songs of all time. And then um, Balmain jeans on satellite flight and too bad. I have to destroy you now are timeless. And then speeding bolt to heaven, the self-titled track confused and wedding tux. I feel like, you know, most people will like. So I guess if you want to just dabble, those are the ones. Yeah, I really, I really need to give that album another chance. But, um, anyways, final category of the full count. Uh, one of my favorite categories: miscellaneous. Anything oh. that come, the first uh, thing that comes to mind is usually the best one. But anything from your life, an activity, a gadget, a uh, thing you do, just literally anything. First thing that pops in your head, I have found, is usually the best answer. Um, this isn't necessarily. There's supposed to be like recommendations, right? I guess the something thing that you I, would recommend to somebody else. Yeah, I kind of want to. It's not really a recommendation, but it's something that I wanted to talk about earlier and that I find fascinating because I've done neurogenetics um, research. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of evidence that suggests that schizophrenia is not only neurodevelopmental, but it's also neurodegenerative. Um, They found a protein probably four years ago, maybe five years ago, 
called the C4 gene. Um, essentially, your brain, um, you can literally think about it like a tree. Um, there are proteins that will go around and tag um, synapses and to be basically pruned to get rid of because you don't use them enough. And that's why they say cells that fire together, wire together. Um, they're obviously this is good because you cut the ones that you don't need new connections grow. Um, but they found a gene in schizophrenia that essentially goes around and erroneously tags synapses or synaptic connections, connections to be, um, cut. And it really makes sense. Like why a lot of people with schizophrenia have those like negative symptoms where they have like disorganized thinking and everything. Um, but I think it adds a lot to our understanding of kind of the presentation of schizophrenia. Um, and not only that, but also treatments for it. So there is, um, I know that there are multiple uh, medications being trialed for it, but one of them is minocycline, which um, essentially just, um, it it stops your, your brain from, um, or your, yeah, basically brain from, pruning as much, uh, which is really interesting. And obviously it's not targeted, so it's not perfect, but, um, historically positive symptoms have been really, um, I'm trying to, yeah, positive symptoms have been somewhat like easier to treat, but negative symptoms in schizophrenia have historically been difficult to treat. And, uh, I really don't want to like keep talking about this, but, uh, the way that no, no, they found interesting. Well, We'll we'll call it the recommendation is learn more about schizophrenia. Yeah, because, come hit me up because I, I can talk about it all day. I I would agree. I think schizophrenia is very much a uh, it a very misunderstood disease by the general public. I think a lot of people mm -hmm. just think of it as like oh it's you know people who hear voices and that's kind of it, right? And I think it's just so much more nuanced than yeah. that, as as you've said. So yeah, which learn more about schizophrenia. Yeah, which is why I said they should. Um, I think they should reclassify it, cut it up, like in multiple ways. Like it should be like probably four diagnoses. But yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But that's a that's a great recommendation. I I love it. Uh, yeah. anyways, we are we are at three hours now, which is let's go wonderful. That's fantastic. <laughs> so I'm gonna wrap this up by saying, Mikey, Michael, Mike, Ajeto. Ajeto. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being here on Shag and Flies. It has been an absolute blast to have you. You are a joy of a human being. Thanks, and it is, it is truly a delight to have been talking to you for three hours. We could go for hours more. And it just makes me want to go to like Seattle and hang out and talk oh, uh, post-pandemic. I would love to do that. So we'll, we'll have to do that sometime. But Anyways, thank you so much for being on the podcast again. Uh, this was an absolute blast, and we'll talk to you later.